Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, episode 227, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I am your host, Jared Weich. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. E3 time. It's back. We did it. We brought it back. You and I, Jared, we did it. Solely on our backs. <laughs> uh, yeah. We still got a couple of events left. We got, obviously, uh, opening night live, which is the Gamescom thing happening in August, which is cool. Whatever PlayStation's doing in July, I mean, I, I assume we're going to get something, hopefully. Um, by then, we'll probably have the delay of Horizon Forbidden West, <laughs> which we all assume is going to happen. Yeah. But we're yeah. going to be going over all of the shows, obviously, the E3 stuff and the Summer Kick uh, summer Game Fest. We're going to be going over the games we enjoy. Uh, just off the top, we're not going to be covering the PC Gaming Show, the Future Game Show, Capcom, any of the ones that you, Koch Media, that you heard were bad. No point for us talking to them, so we're just going to go through... The stuff where we found games that were really dope. Um, I'll tell you what, Dom, just in general, there was a lot of games I'm interested in, from the AAA stuff that we saw at like Nintendo and Xbox to a lot of the indies. Um, there's some really dope indies that are in the flair of being inspired by Miyazaki and the team at From, but also just in general like Berserk and other Dark Fantasy, which that's always up our alley, so I can't wait to talk about those. And speaking of, we're going to start off with the Summer Game Fest, which is uh, Jeff's... Uh, event that he pulls off jeff Keeley, who does the game awards this is the first ever uh kickoff that he did and in terms of the presentation i thought it was pretty good um a lot of good games the only downside of it was the realities of what it takes to run one of these shows which is the sponsorship deals right the twitch prime yeah. gaming and some weird like korean mmo that paid some of the presentation and I don't really knock Jeff too much for that, you know, the Gillette guy happening at the Game Awards a couple of years ago, because in order to fund his shows, it's what's going to happen. It's not like a Nintendo or Microsoft where they just back it all themselves. He needs to find partners. So I'm not going to knock him too much. And to kick off the whole thing, uh, they did a great job. So I want to go through the games first up. And just to clarify, too, for some of these shows, it isn't everything that was covered. It's the things that I thought was going to be most relevant to both Dom and I and the show. Um, so there will, you know, we're probably going to miss out on some like Japanese, uh, text adventure games that were announced and stuff like that. But anyways, Salt and Sacrifice. So we're getting a sequel to Salt and Sanctuary, which is really dope. It's coming 2022. I have yet to play the first one. Dom actually own it on Switch, I believe. And knowing that there's a sequel now, I really want to move that up my backlog and get to it. I thought it looked really cool. You're somebody who played the first one. So I want to hear from you. What do you think about the sequel? <laughs> What do you think it improved on just from the brief trailer? And are you excited about it coming next year? This was, like uh, I had my hesitations about Summer Game Fest, right, um, coming in. But then to see this was was like, oh, shoot. Like, that's that's fantastic. Because I played the, the first game, Salt and Sacrifice Sanctuary, rather. Actually, I played it on Vita. So that game actually had a Vita release, one of the last ones. But it's, <laughs> it was very much um, just Dark Souls, but 2D. Um, a little more locked off based on abilities than Dark Souls, but otherwise it was basically that, just a two-dimensional plane. And the dev obviously said, I think it's just one guy too, obviously said, like, yeah, well, Dark Souls obviously inspired this, um, but it was just a really satisfying game. It had the same kind of dark tone, that somber music, all that kind of stuff going on. So to somber see this... tapestries. <laughs> right. Um but yeah, so to see this just pop up, like I kind of forgot about that game. I, you know, I loved it. I played through it. Platinum did a couple years ago, and kind of forgot about it to be honest. So like, oh, I was 
what a what a nice surprise like a sequel to that game um did we know this was in the works we we might have i mean they probably announced something way back um but i probably missed it or it fell off my radar so it was a surprise to me at least so i was super and it looked great um the, the the trailer had like good gameplay in it. It, it looked really good. It looked very similar to the first game, but um, I was I was on board with that. I'm sure there'll be new stuff that uh, that that'll be included in this one. But I'm excited in uh, a PS5 version too. It mentioned as well as uh, PS4, and it'll probably come to other platforms um, later as a, as a person did. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's really impressive to me because for indie games, we've talked about this before. For me personally, the art style needs to be like killer for me to immediately get interested. And no knock against this. I understand it's being developed by one guy. The art style isn't the strong thing in this game. Like, it's not like the thing you're going to go to and be like, oh, this is one of the most beautiful indie games you're going to play. It's but all weird. the systems, yeah, it's it, it feels a little uh, like uh, New Playgrounds, if you remember that website where people would go to play all the like browser games like Tanks and all that stuff, Worms. Um, it feels a little bit like that, but all of the systems it shows and the boss fights and the fact that it is inspired by uh, Dark Souls and the like has me interested. And also the big thing is your recommendation, honestly. Uh, this and what's the other 2D one that's like very religious based? Blasphemous or Blasphemy. Yeah, I, I so I have both uh, Blasphemy or no, I think it is Blasphemous. Both these games... Um, are games that I've been recommended by you being somebody who's super into souls and I have them on my backlog and I want to play them. And you know, blasphemy has the art style I'm digging and I'm into this one doesn't as much, but this one did show off even in the trailer, all the systems, all the different classes with the point of it, multiple bosses. Like I think it showed off really well and it got me interested in moving that the first one up on my backlog, which is really impressive to do. And honestly, I think because it was a smaller indie game, it being on this show you were like, oh, there's a first one I can play right now, you know? So I think that's really cool. Excited to see what happens. It, the first game, too, the last thing I'll add is, like, it's beefy. Like, it's dense, you know? It took, uh-huh. I want to say, like, it, like maybe close to 30 hours for me to get through it once, um, which might be a little, well, I might have been a little slow on that. But it's, you know, it's not, uh, it, it's not gimped at all. Like, there's a ton of content in there. So that was pretty Well, I remember when we initially talked about Hollow Knight for the first time being this game that gave you so much content, right, for a low price. I remember you mentioning, like, yo, Salt and Sanctuary did the same thing. It was like, Mm -hmm. you know, it feels like that where there's so much stuff packed in, and it's impressive. Anything built by one person, let alone, uh, you know, even a couple of people is crazy. So excited to see what happens there. Next up, we had another brief, like, uh, trailer for House of Ashes, which is the next entry in the Dark Pictures anthology. Following uh, the boat one, uh, Man of Medan, and the like nursing home one or orphanage or whatever it was. It was um, like a old old witch town, like the like a Salem witch trial type town thing. Little Hope yeah. it was called. This one's really cool because it takes a concept of you know the power fantasy of being soldiers in video games and turning it on its head, and you're being these soldiers that are fighting in the Middle East and falling into this tomb that's haunted by some kind of demonic stuff um it looks really neat i'm curious to see if this is the first one in the anthology that really hits with people man and Medan people really didn't like uh uh the hope one it seemed like it was a little bit more mixed still not as positive obviously as like an until dawn and i hope this is where they hit their stride and they come out swinging and i like how diversified all of them are none of them really feel like one another i know some people got mad with the twist in the first two which i don't want to spoil for people who haven't played that are listening to this but I guess that was a big problem. So people are hoping that the 
twist in this one is a little bit more creative and inspired. So we'll see what happens there. I don't know if we have anything else to add there. It is. It did get a release date, though. It's coming out October 22nd, right in time for Halloween. Really good well, this, with the date there. This was another one. Like, this, this showcase was, for me, it was like, oh, I'm buying these two games, these first two games, you know, as soon as, like, the day they release. So I was like, wow, that, that, <laughs> that's rare, even in the best, uh, you know, showcases that – for a single person to be that like guaranteed i'm into these for sure um in a row but yeah so i was pretty cool hyped on this one too well i mean the five games i have listed here from the show are five games that i'm playing day one uh so the next one is planet of lana which was a hand-painted 2d uh it looked like very much ori inspired in terms of the parallaxing backgrounds yeah there's this little kid in a forest and he comes up on this little you know dark black monster creature thing and pets it looks like a mix between like a cat and a lemur of some sort and you see that like i don't know if they're alien crafts or human crafts but they land on the planet which is really cool as we've done in the background you see them landing and it seems to be a game focused on this kid or maybe this kind of you know society of people losing their world to uh you know colonizers of some sort and it's probably going to be an allegory for you know colonization in real life the art style is beautiful it's like hand it's literally a like hand painted uh, it's gorgeous um, I can't wait to see that. It only has a date of 2022, um, but I'm all in. Anything even remotely looking like uh, Ori at this point, I'm 100% in. You put a person with a cute little adorable animal that's probably going to get hurt or something, uh, you know, you have me there day one. Yeah. Next this, up, we had an this, update. That one looked... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was just basically echoing what you said. Like, it just looked really cool. Like... It just felt nice to see, I guess. Yeah, it looked, uh, oh, the music in it was so melodic too, just really relaxing, which, you know, when moments of, uh, like, crazy events happen, that thing's going to turn on the dime, the soundtrack's going to be pumping through your blood. Um, next up, we got an update on Sable, which is the, uh, dang it, what's the type of art it is? It's like uh, Borderlands. Um, Cell-shaded. It's like the Cell-shaded mm. game where you take on this nomad that's, the story of behind this game is cool because all I ever saw, Dom, was this person in this, like, Star Wars speeder bike going around this desert. But it turns out when you hear about the story, the way it works is when you hit a certain age and you reach adulthood, the way the tribe works is you venture out into the world and figure out what you want to do with your life. So that's why the whole game is focused on exploration, which I thought was neat. And it's a, a little late of a birthday present. It's coming out September 23rd, which is a couple of days after my birthday. And... uh I believe it's coming to Game Pass, too, day one, which is super exciting. Uh, as we're recording this, Xbox is doing their demo event where you can play a ton of games that were shown off during E3 week, including Tunic, which is a little Fox Zelda game, and Sable, and you can download them for free and check them out, which is awesome, on PC or Xbox. Um, anything to add on Fable, Dom? No, no. Or no, Sable. Cool I don't know I said Fable. So, yeah, Fable. Uh, and The Big Boy, which is probably going to be both of our game of the show, even though it wasn't at E3 technically. Elden Ring. So, first of all, is we kind of talked about this last week during the predictions podcast of, you know, Jeff Grubb saying that Keeley has the trailer, and he was dead on about that. It's coming out January twenty first of next year, which is crazy. Little did we know we'd get a release date. No one expected it. Um, one thing we talked about in our chat is, unlike a lot of other studios, and you know, if they do end up delaying, that's perfectly fine. From like, I don't. To my knowledge, I don't think they've ever delayed a game outright after having a date on it. They're kind of good at that for the most part. I mean, as long as I've been following them, which is since, like, you know, Dark Souls 1, I don't remember there being any delays. So I feel, 
you know, this isn't like when we when God of War Ragnarok was announced for in given twenty twenty one, and we were like, okay, we'll see. You know, this is yeah. Th- I feel good about this. And earlier this year, remember there was all those rumblings that they were working to polish it to get it out this year. So it would mm-hmm. make sense to like, yeah, let's give ourselves a couple, you know, a couple extra weeks and get this out early January. Uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff there. We know there's a character creator. It's From's biggest game. There's a day night cycle. Uh, dynamic weather. NPCs can help or hurt you, which probably goes into the day-night cycle too. Knowing from, I guarantee there's going to be enemies that, you know, during the day are probably more passive or there's characters who may be um, similar to werewolves in that they're more violent or aggressive during the nighttime. Hmm. An interesting thing, so Vata Vidya, uh, who's a big Souls person, he does all of the, the lore videos for Dark Souls, he did a video covering this trailer, and he said something really interesting, Dom. You know at the beginning when you see, like, that turtle rock thing with the bell underneath it? Yeah. If you frame by frame it, there's a building on top of it. And he was saying, I wonder if because this is a dynamic open world where things are moving, and we'll get to another thing that was moving in the trailer, I wonder if you have to wait for this to get near a ledge where you can use your horse, your steed, you know, the rideable steed that they showed off, to get on top of that. Like there's going to be these dynamic events in From Software's design of this open world where there are secrets, but you kind of have to be patient or figure out things. Because that's kind of how their games have worked before without them being open world, is there's secret er- uh, areas you can find through exploration or doing a, you know, a couple of certain things in a row in terms of the side quests. Uh, and then the other thing is we saw this. It looked like these two giants uh, guiding this giant uh, casket of some sort, followed by a bunch of mobs. And it's going to be curious to see you know, if that thing is on a set path around the map or a certain area, maybe depending on where you engage with them, something different happens. If you zoom in on it, you can see certain uh, hollowed carrying like chests. So I wonder if, you know, at nighttime, are those chests mimic and during the day they're not? Or how does that all work? I'm really excited to see how From Software's design philosophies and creative nature come into this open world because I do think they are inspired and creative enough to do some of that stuff where they're going to push the open world and make it theirs because like with Dark Souls and, and even Demon Souls, Dom, third-person action-adventure games existed long before those, right? But what From did is they came in, they did their own spin on it, they made it theirs, they made it high quality, and they gave it their level of polish. And this isn't just going to be Souls open world. This is going to be From Software's take on an open world video game, and that's what I'm most excited about. Yeah, so what about I, you? it was someone, I think... I'm gonna have to look up the name, but someone from IGN uh, just recently did a like a really long interview with Miyazaki um, about Elden Ring, of course. And one of the things he asked about was mimics, and it was confirmed that there will not be mimics specifically in Elden Ring. So, as we know it, I know there's going to be something yeah. similar to it, for right? Sure. His answer was very like, "Well, you know, we like that design philosophy, but we won't literally have." chest mimics wink wink no <laughs> so yeah anyway um no th- this this trailer was incredible it was like i think like my favorite kind of trailer you know if we were comparing to like a you know something that's only cinematic um or something that's you know like like a dev diary thing or de- whatever they are like this was like a cinematic trailer that consisted of primarily gameplay right even if the hud wasn't showing or whatever like it was you could get a very clear idea of how the game was going to play, but it just cut out certain snippets to make it, you know, more entertaining um, in the the allotted three minutes or whatever. So, um, and everything like just 
per usual from a Dark Souls trailer, like looked incredible and just made you just gave you created more questions, right? Even though like we're so excited to see this, it only just created so many more questions about what the heck is going on here. What does it mean to be the the tarnished or whatever? Um, what is the Elden Ring? Um, all that kind of stuff. Which in that interview I mentioned, uh, Miyazaki goes into a lot more of the the lore and kind of help frames the story a bit better than what the trailer did. So I'll have to send you the link. But um, a lot of it uh, was literally from George R. R. Martin. Um, so that's that's pretty cool, and uh, I'm curious to see how how like the story and the world and the lore differs from the previous From games, given um, you know Railroad's influence. Yeah, it's uh, the way I had it described was that George R. R. Martin set up the skeleton, and From Software went in and added all of the the organs and the meat and all of that stuff. Right? It was like a he kind of laid it all out, and then they did the fine details. The cool thing too that Miyazaki said is that. Uh, when Jeff approached them about being in the show, they said they wanted to be last because they wanted to have people watch through everything and then see Elden Ring. They didn't want to take away from either people tuning out from the show or not giving the other games the respect they deserve, which is a big move on Miyazaki. And the fact that uh, I read some of the interview, I haven't had a chance to check it all out, but the fact that IGN got that interview is surprising because Miyazaki isn't a dude who does a lot of media. And I right. wonder if part of that's because we hadn't seen Elden Ring for a while, and he's like, well, I'm, I want to do this because I know people have been wondering about the game. Um, out of all the bosses we saw, the very bosses, Dom, which one is your favorite? Because for me, I, it was the werewolf Artorius. Like the yeah. werewolf dude on top of that thing, howling, and he had a very similar design to Artorius. Second to me would be the hands guy who yep. has a bunch of hands on him, and then he has, at the end of the trailer, he has like a dragon head on his arm, which is wild. A lot of really cool bosses. Which one was your favorite or stood yeah, out? I like the hand. I was going to say the hands guy too. Cause that was just, I love when they do weird shit like that, that I could never have, I could never have thought of and that as a concept. You know, they, they always seem to be able to do that. Best characters designing gaming hands down. In my yeah. And, and monster design. And like, it's just, I could never have thought of that. And so then when you see it, you're like, that's wildly terrifying and also wildly creative. And I, what's his story? How did this come? You know what I mean? How did this come to be like that? It's just, they're so good at, at that kind of stuff. So that guy in particular stood out to me. So, yeah. Well, and the cool thing with this is this might be one of the first times where we generally have different experiences in a souls game because it's open world. And they did talk about you being able to tackle certain sections. Right. So we're going to come back and talk to each other and not necessarily spoil stuff. Be like, well, I went this direction and I went to this castle or I went this place. And a really cool thing that they showed in screenshots too is one of my, I wouldn't say worries because I figured from software was going to nail it, but I was like, are we going to lose out on these tight corridors, these like densely packed, like designed locations that they do in exchange for these open areas where they're more dynamic? And it looks like we're getting both. It seems like we're going to get this open world where you can approach it how you want, but then you get filtered into these areas that feel like the classic from software design. And I'm really excited to see what's happening there. They also mentioned that the weapon arts aren't going to be attached to specific weapons anymore, which is neat. Because before, you, the weapon arts were specifically ta attached to either a specific weapon, like a boss weapon, right? A boss soul weapon, or a certain like uh, type of weapon, like a, okay. you know, a katana or a broadsword. Really excited. People who have listened to this podcast know how much mean you want to play this game, so we don't have to drill about it anymore. I'm just glad. I was honestly going to be cool with the gameplay, Dom. Like the release day was you know icing on the cake i never thought we were gonna get that and i was cool without getting that 
So. Yeah, same here. I was, and it's so close. And and that one is only a couple like four days after my birthday, so that's pretty cool too. Um, I'm just I'm so excited for Elden Ring. Like it's it's like it's like a new Dark Souls. I feel like I'm gonna be starting over like without any of the knowledge, and I'm really excited. I'm really stoked to see what they do for the Game Awards because I almost guarantee they're gonna have some sort of trailer there, and I wonder if it's just gonna be like a direct feed boss fight with one of the early game bosses. That'd be That'd pretty be cool. dope. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've already shown the game. They don't need to do much more. Um, okay, we're going to get to Day of the Devs, which was one of my favorite presentations of this whole week, uh, which is surprising. This is obviously the thing done by Double Fine, uh, Tim Schafer's studio. And what they do is they put out a call for any developer around the world to submit their game. And the best of the best basically make this mini presentation. So it's all indie games. And they all looked stellar. Uh, first up was Axiom Verge 2. We're getting a sequel to Axiom Verge. We've known about this game for a while. Uh, seems like the big thing here is the design philosophy of you not needing to fight bosses. I guess that was a wall that people met in the first Axiom Verge where they could just run into a boss that kicked their teeth and then they didn't want to progress. Now the game's focused less on that and more on exploration, so you can skip bosses and come back to them later. Um, I'm assuming it's going to be tied up to progression somehow. Maybe it's like a Zelda-style dom where you can decide how and when you want to fight these bosses, and there's a specific number of goals you have to meet, but you don't have to kill everything you see or anything like that. Um, that's coming soon. No set release date there. Uh, next up we had Toem, which is this black and white, uh, photo game. Uh, it's like, it looks like it's isometric. It looked really cute. Uh, no date on that. Next up we had Phantom Abyss, which is the Indiana Jones runner. Uh, this was really cool because it was like simultaneous multiplayer. So the way it worked is that every dungeon is its own unique dungeon. It's procedurally generated, but only one person can ever beat that dungeon. But there's uh death runs so like say you play the level first time um, you randomly get it right and you run through and you get three-fourths of the way through the thing and you die when i jump in i'll see your ghost so i'll be able to follow it's kind of like the you know the blood spills in dark souls where i can see how yeah. somebody died and once somebody beats that tomb it's you're the person who beat it and it's gone no one else could ever beat that level but because you got to see how other people died it's kind of like oh man am i just going to be a guide for somebody else or am i actually going to beat it I think that's a really cool concept, and if they're able to track that stuff where you can have, like, a leaderboard showing, like, what tombs you beat, I think that'd be really cool. Just an interesting idea. I don't know if I'd play it when it comes out, but I just thought the cleverness of the overall um, simultaneous multiplayer was dope. Uh, next up is Garden Story. This is a pixel RPG pretty much starring Fruit. You know, the main character of the game is this little grape guy. Uh, looks really cute. Very similar to Stardew Valley or Moonlighter. Um... It's coming summer 2021, so I can't wait to get a date on that. I hope that's a day one game pass. Really interested in me. I love adorable stuff like that. And if it's anything like Stardew Valley, just another chill game, you know, to vibe to, which is awesome. One of the surprises, uh, a musical story. Did you see this one, Dom? No. So a musical story is a game following this, uh, this black musician and it starts off with like, oh, okay, it's like a rhythm game or you're with this band and you have to go to this Seattle music festival, I think it is, or Portland. And it's like, okay, you're doing a rhythm game to try to win this festival, right? It's like, oh, it's one of those. And then it's a hard cut to, you're also dealing with this guy's addiction to drugs. And he's like zonked oh, out on the shoot. couch. And yeah, so it's like combating his aspirations of becoming a musician and his personal demons. It looks really good. Um, it gives me a lot of, not the gameplay, but the vibe of in the emotional storytelling of, um, dang it, what's the house game 
where you're first person and everyone thinks it's a horror game, but it's about her coming out as a lesbian. Gone Home. Yes, Gone Home. Very much Gone Home vibes in terms of the emotional uh, output there. And I think by the end of it, people are going to be sobbing about what happens to this character. Really cool art style, too. Uh, next up, uh, Vocabulantis. This is a stop-motion film-like game, which this they so showed cool. how they're making this game. And it's, yeah, they're not cutting any corners. They're doing, you know, old-school uh, stop-motion animation. They're even making all the sets and putting them in through, uh, you know, scanning them and putting them in through uh, photogrammetry. This looks wild. This game's probably a ways off, but I'm so in once it comes out. Yeah. It's I mean, unlike any game I've ever seen. Exactly. Even if, like, gameplay-wise, I think it was more of a puzzle game, puzzle platformer or something to that effect. But yeah, yeah. even if, like, gameplay-wise, it doesn't absolutely blow my mind. Like, just, like, being a, in that in that world for a, a minute is, like, would be so cool and worth whatever they want to charge for it. And I totally want to endorse uh, this kind of creativity it, it's just so it's so cool dude like when you it, this one for sure wild <laughs> check out yeah the the trailer and the gameplay for this because like it i'm really glad that uh devs are able to explore like fully explore the spectrum of art styles just just art style wise but then also things like this of like i don't even know what you could it's just a different way of making it <laughs> the animation i guess it's... is done differently i don't know how you describe it and the developer was so passionate about it, and that came through. Like, he wants to make this. He's wanted to make this. And mm-hmm. to your point, yeah, I want to support this type of creativity. Uh, right. So it's day one for me regardless. Um, next up, we had Road 96, which is a decision-based road trip game where, you know, you get picked up by certain individuals. And depending on the choices you make in dialogue, the whole adventure changes. I, I think they said there's, like, thousands of different endings and stories based on what you choose. The one we saw for this presentation was... This guy who was really into dinosaurs, and when he said you weren't into dinosaurs, he kind of got mad about that, and it ended up leading to you like getting kicked off the road and him having you find money in this like abandoned van. It looks wild. Uh, I like that because uh, it's just one of those things we talk about where me and you playing the same game and having a different experience and being like, oh, did this happen? No, I chose this instead. Really cool stuff. I think it's a unique idea, and uh, yeah, we'll see how it all comes together. No date on that from what I remember. Uh, and uh next up we have the wandering village which is an rts on the back of a living creature another really dope idea so you're building the city farming it tending to it building up these buildings and it's on the back of this giant walking turtle creature and the cool thing with it is you can if you build like this horn close enough to the head of the creature you command it so you can ask it to stop or run or keep moving Mm -hmm. and part of the upkeep is making sure that you know the beast doesn't get infected by a rot of some sort and because it's a beast, it's very much Last Guardian where it doesn't always listen to you. It's a really neat idea. of It's like a Tamagotchi mixed with civilization. You know what I mean? It's like a really cool where you're taking care of this creature but also the city builder. Um, once and again, I just think it's a really dope, unique combination of genres. I wonder, too. I didn't, I'm didn't. i looking at a, just a screenshot of it. I didn't see the, uh, the footage of it. But I wonder, too, if this is going to be an allegory for uh, how we treat the planet or something like that. Just <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm all I'm all for giant turtles or reptilians with like it looks cool land masses on their back. It just looks always looks dope, and that's uh, it's going to be coming out in early access at the end of the year. Uh, I'd love if that hit Xbox early access or even Steam early access. That'd be dope. Uh, next up, uh, Unbeatable, which is an anime art and rhythm game. 
they describe this art the art style of this game is a bootleg anime and i was immediately intrigued i was like what the heck it looks really cool if you're into any you know 90s to early 2000s anime it has that vibe uh mixed with obviously a rhythm game uh not too much to say there uh Next up, this is one of my other games of the show, mm-hmm. Death's Door. Oh, oh, man. This is from the, the development team that brought you Titan Souls. It's coming July 20th, which is way sooner than I anticipated. Yeah. Um, funny enough, so it was actually summer 2021 at the Day of the Devs, and I think it was at a later showcase where they gave the date of July 20th. Um, can't wait. Uh, the cool narrative uh, detail we got is that it's a world where nothing dies anymore. So the crows are sent out to kill things, and it's kind of, you know, crows, you know, murder of crows, they, you know, hover around dead creatures, so it kind of fits. Awesome gameplay, really cool boss fights. Uh, this is the thing we talk about with, uh, like, Inside, right? And being, there was Limbo, then there was Inside, and we're wondering what that next game is from Play Dead, the evolution of the indie studio. Titan Souls is a really neat concept, and it was really fun. This is them with a budget now, being like, this is the game we want to make, and I'm all for it. What did you think of Death Store? No, I, I we we saw this once before. I can't remember what what it was at. The Xbox um, Indie Showcase, the ID at Xbox Showcase, I think, okay. that happened early in the year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because uh, it looks so cool. I the, I I only played Titan Souls um maybe a couple hours, and like, this is really difficult, but it's kind of cool. But this, yeah, it's like you said, this feels like not just an evolution of that, but like a whole. It's like that, but just expanded, you know, exponentially. Um, and the art style, everything about it looks really cool. Um. I'm really into it, and it's cool that yeah, it's it's pretty much already here, so that's that's pretty sweet. Yeah, and I'm uh, I I don't know if this one's Game Pass Day One. I can't remember. It might be. Um, I know it's Xbox exclusive, right? I think it's launching as an Xbox exclusive. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm, I'm I got a list here, and it doesn't even mention platform for this one for some reason. Yeah, I think I think it was I think it's coming first to Xbox, uh, but I could be wrong about that. Not sure about Game Pass. Uh, next up, this one popped up at a bunch of shows, but really caught me. Uh, behind the frame. So this is another painterly game. It's very anime inspired, where you're this female painter who's basically uh, spying on her neighbor across the road. This old man who's also an artist, and you could just tell this game's gonna be sad because she's observing this man. She's wondering if he's lonely. She has a very he has like a very fat cat that he takes care of, and I think this game is gonna end with you finding out that this guy like dies or something, <laughs> or that you know his wife passed away and. It just looks really cool. The art, it's like a point-and-click adventure style type game but with a very unique art style. It mixes... It feels very Studio Ghibli to me in that uh-huh. way. Um, it's It looks really cool. Once again, it seems like a game I've never played before uh, and that uh, has a... I don't think that has a date on it. It p- appeared at a bunch of shows. Uh, it looked really cool. Next up, this is one that caught my eye at the idea at Xbox earlier this year, Dom, Moon Glow Bay. This is the... You know, it's a town where everybody's supposed to fish, but everybody's scared of fishing. And it looks like 3D, Minecraft is 3D, but it looks like pixelated Minecraft. And, you know, it's all about fishing. And they show the systems where whenever you catch fish, you can sell them at your local store. There's like a deeper, darker thing going on. It's very bug snacks in that way of you need to uncover why this town is afraid of the fish. Seems like your dad passes away. Once again, another sad time. Um... But, you know, fishing is one of my favorite things to do in games. Uh, I love it in Animal Crossing. Obviously, it depends on how it's implemented. Some games, it's just there to be there, and it's, like, no frill, no fun. But this looks like it's taking the fishing concept, you know, twisting it on its head 
and giving us something that's going to make me cry by the time I roll credits. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, next up, I don't know if you're interested in this as much as I am, Dom, Loot River. So Loot River, they describe this game as Diablo meets Tetris. And I was like, what the heck? So it's a dungeon crawler. You play as this Plague Doctor looking character. It has uh, you know, a dash mechanic. It has a parry mechanic. But it's all about the traversal in this world. So there's these wooden platforms that are on this beautiful, gorgeous, rendered water. And you move them around like Tetris pieces. They fit into each other. And, you know, there's enemies that will lock you in place where you can't move the platforms. There's some enemies that can, you know, swim in the water. But the way they showed off the gameplay demos, there's this chest. And what you do is you kind of kite these enemies around, move them on these platforms and get back to the chest without them being able to, you know, get to you. There's another one where this guy charges an attack. And then he moves the platform near an enemy so he can attack him with a fully charged attack. The combo of that and the movement in the game makes it so unique. And I think it's a really creative idea. And to our point with, you know, Sultan Sacrifice or even Death Store, it has that Souls vibe I'm all about. So I'm really excited to play this one as well. Um, really yeah, cool this, stuff. This was cool. I, I'm wondering, I'm like worried it's just a little too much. I'm not, I'm like the worst multitasker. And uh, yeah. so trying to like manage, you know, the placement of uh, of the panels or whatever with the comp, I don't know. It like looks cool as hell, but I might be bad at this, but I'm. it's got my attention for sure. It could also be one of those things where we're seeing the hot, like the, the like the mid game, right? Where it's like, yeah. there's a lot of action going you on. built up to that. Yeah, exactly. Um, it looks really cool though. And I'm excited to try it out. Uh, not a game I'm necessarily going to play, but wildly creative is Despolote, which is, uh, I think it was either a Panamanian or a Cuban indie developer. And it's this very artistic soccer exploration game. Uh, the style could be described as like a lot of uh, film noise, if you're familiar with that, where it's like the grainy stuff. Uh, it's really interesting. It seems like a narrative-focused game. It's focused on, I forgot the country, I think it's Panama, but it's about being a little kid during the 90s when the country was trying to make the World Cup. And like with a lot of these other countries that aren't, you know, these big Western or Eastern powerhouses, this is all the country had. They were dealing with poverty and making the World Cup is something that the whole country kind of, you know, gathered and hoped for. So it's more more so about that, of getting the vibe across of the country. Ecuador. That's really cool. What do you say? It's Ecuador. Ecuador, country. thank you. Yeah. Um, it's really cool, and I'm glad that indie developers are in a place where they can tell their own <clears> personal <throat> journeys because this is probably connected to his own experience with that growing up as a kid, and that's awesome. Uh, lastly, the last stop, which is the next game for the Virginia devs. It's coming out July 22nd. Don't sleep on Virginia. If you haven't played it yet, go play it. Incredible game. Very underrated. No one really played it. Uh, one of the first and only reviews I did for controlled interests was Virginia. Uh, really enjoyed that game. Um, let's see here. What are we going to next? Uh, Ubisoft, not a great show in my opinion. It was okay. It wasn't like terrible, but it was like just whatever. Not a whole lot to talk about here. Uh, Rainbow Six Extinction, I think, uh, looked really cool. I'm interested to see how that can find an audience. Uh, we'll get to that later with Battlefield, but it coming out as a you know multiplayer-only experience that's going to be purchased uh, is going to be interesting. But the one to three co-ops cool. I love Dom that if me, you, and and you know somebody go into a match and I get captured, the next time we run a thing, I, I you can't pick the character I was until we go and save them. Like, that character's no longer pickable until you go back into that map and save the character that got captured. I think it's a really neat idea in a multiplayer game. Um, glad they changed the name, obviously, from Quarantine 
Uh, we had Rocksmith Plus, which is cool for people who are into learning uh, the guitar. Um, Riders Republic uh, coming out September 2nd. Just too much of everything for me. Um, I think it's just a lot. Like I, I know people love those extreme sports games, but I'd much rather get like an SSX or something that's more focused in on a specific extreme sport than throwing everything in a blender. Uh, we got updates on Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, you know, all of their live service games, Just Dance is coming back. Uh, Far Cry 6, I think, didn't show well. Not that the game looked bad, but I just think it was, like, more of the same, and that was kind of the mm -hmm. theme through this whole thing, is every time we saw Far Cry 6, it's like, I'm already sold on the game, and you're not showing me anything that's, like, surprising me. You're just showing me more of, like, what already sold me on the game, which isn't a bad thing, necessarily, but, you know, I was just like, okay. I didn't need to see more Far Cry 6, and it it popping up didn't justify it, you know, but I yeah. get it. I'm, I'm, I was with you on that too. Like I'm good on the far cry. Like I'm going to, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to play this right away. It looks pretty cool. Um, I, I like that as a new setting and it's, uh, you know, like more Hispanic. Like that's like how many video games are like that. Even with it, even with their spots where it might not be like, there might have some problems, I guess I will see, but yeah. Well, they do that. And shout thing out where, to like, Chorizo. The little companion dog, so cute. Yeah, and that, and then like all the. Actually, I will say, was it? I can't even remember now. Was it this conference or was it before where they showed off the chicken? That uh, the the rooster chicken thing. Yeah, that was that was funny as shit. That's pretty cool. And that's the tough part is I can't remember which place it was because it right. was everywhere. But it was like it kind of <laughs> yeah. mushed together. Um, the last two announcements UB had I think were interesting. First up, we had Mario Plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope mm -hmm. sequel to Mario Plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. This leaked unfortunately for them before. By Nintendo, of all people, Nintendo leaked this, yeah. not Ubisoft. The one time Ubi doesn't leak their own stuff, Nintendo does that. 2022, uh, we're going to get to Nintendo later, but we didn't see anything different at the Nintendo Direct than we did here. It was all the same stuff, so it seems like they're not ready to show more of this game. Uh, I, ha I bought this game, and I own it. I need to get to playing it. This is a good excuse to get around to doing that. Um, and lastly, we thought we were going to see... Massive Entertainment's next game, which you know is going to be Star Wars, and in the predictions podcast, Tom, I was like, "You, what, what do you think about the Avatar game they were supposed to be making?" And you're like, "I don't know, man. Is that even a thing? What's going on? You know, whatever." Little did we know, it's a thing. So, Avatar: Frontiers of Pandora supposedly coming out next year. A Massive Entertainment on the Snow Snowdrop Engine, I think is what it's called. Um, interesting. We didn't. We saw stuff that looked like cinematic gameplay, but it's hard to tell if it was actual gameplay. Um, I think there was like a brief snippet down where you see one of the avatar creatures or people like sliding under a thing and it looked like first person gameplay. Mm -hmm. uh, but other than that, it was tough to tell. We saw them shooting bows and stuff. Um, yeah, I read a story today, Dom, that the reason that they got UB and Massive landed Star Wars is because uh, Disney saw this game. Really? Like, this partnership was already in place. They went to go talk to them to check up on the Avatar game. They saw the progress of it, and they're like, hey, you want to do a Star Wars? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, sure. So this game, whether or not it's for us or we nail it, the re this game existing is is getting us huh. what is hopefully a dope Star Wars game. Okay. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll give it all the credit in the world for that. I have zero interest in an in Avatar game. But... Um, but at that on that same point if it was that impressive to disney then like maybe maybe there's something there i'm not giving enough credit for yet but this trailer certainly didn't help that case for me if we'll see so i'm not a big avatar person either well this last airbender is my stuff 
if it's an open world game, I'm down because I love the, I just love the world they build and I, I'm down to explore that and find all the weird creatures. If it's like a live service or something like that, I'm definitely not in. Yeah. Because I don't love the world enough to care about that. Um, it is interesting though, and I'm glad we finally saw it because for our point of being excited about the Star Wars thing, the sooner this comes out, which is listed as 2022, the sooner we can expect Star Wars. And we already knew it wasn't coming before 2023 because of the exclusivity deal. But it's good to know that they're not going to be held up for too long on Avatar, right? So, and also massive, funny enough with their name, huge studio. Also with Ubisoft, they have like 76 studios around the world. So who knows how far along uh, Star Wars is as well. Let's get to this uh, wholesome direct, Tom. So this is a bunch of wholesome games. And this was quite impressive to me too, uh, in terms of the indie games they showed that I was interested in. Because, you know, it's a bunch of like weird little cute games. Um, The one I wanted to talk about, I'm not going to go through the whole list. There's just a couple I wanted to talk about. So one is called The Little to the Left. And I would call this um, oddly satisfying the video game. And basically what it is, is it's a, it seems like a, a bunch of little mini games, essentially, that have you putting things in place. And it's for anybody who's OCD out there. There's like a bunch of mixed up pencils and you have to put them in the appropriate order based on the height of the pencils. There's like, a, you know, a bunch of books. You have to put them in order from shortest book to tallest book. It's just a bunch of those little things that when you complete them, they're oddly satisfying, which is a neat little idea for an indie game. And um, I hope this hits Game Pass because I want to check this out. And I love getting those little, you know, spurts of OCD goodness when you line something up perfectly or, you know, there's a Reddit for it, oddly satisfying for a reason. Um, Next up, we got uh, the real estate for Lake, which is the postal delivery narrative game uh, where you're this woman in the Pacific Northwest delivering letters to people. That's probably how you're going to engage and form connections with these people. Coming out September 1st uh, of this year, uh, day one game pass. Excited for that, getting a date. Uh, next up, we had Yokai Inn, which is basically Stardew Valley in Japan. No date on that, but beautiful pixel art. Stoked for that. Um, what's another one I have here? Oh, we are OFK. So this is an anime narrative game, but it has a low... Like, if you've ever seen Lo-Fi Beats to Study To, mm-hmm. that's the aesthetic of this video game. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to go into these too much. People listening, if the title or the description, the quick description I give is interesting, definitely check it out. Um, and, yeah, we got another look at Bear and Breakfast, too, which is a, an indie game that's kind of been on the, the rise the last couple of years. Wholesome Direct overall, though, I think it had a good pace. A lot of fun games. Not all the games were for me. I love the theme of cats across the board. Almost every trailer had a cat of some sort in it, which is adorable. Um, I'm looking over hold. I'm looking over Gorilla Collective real quick to see if it's worth going over. We talked about Loot River. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Fire Girl looked really good. It's like a firefighter octopath, so it's like that 2D, 3D style. Um, that kind of took over on Twitter when that showed up. Everyone was talking about it. Um, let's see anything else. Wolfstride. Wolfstride was this black and white Gundam game. Uh, looked really dope. Uh, anything with Gundam piques my interest. I don't know if I'm sold on the gameplay on that yet. It looked a little funky, but uh, you give me a Gundam in a black and white aesthetic, and I'll at least watch your trailer. That's it for some of the smaller shows. We're going to be covering uh, Xbox, Square Enix, and Nintendo. And Xbox is a doozy. Uh, in my opinion, clear and far away the best show in terms of both presentation, pacing, and content. Um, 
I I couldn't believe it. It was great. We've talked about it before, Dom. Like Xbox's shows in the past have been really good, and this is kind of like them hitting on all cylinders. And it's crazy to think that uh, you know <clears throat> next shows uh, next year's show might even be better with all the stuff we've heard from Jeff Grubb and the like mm-hmm. in terms of what we can expect. Uh, before I get into the list of games, is there anything you want to comment on in terms of the presentation overall? No, I'm yeah. This was this is like prototype everything you can you know realistically want from like an E3 show. This was it, um, and it, it, obviously they have the portfolio now. Like adding Bethesda, it just it makes the huge, the biggest difference in the world because um, they already did great shows. Xbox did, and now it's like you add the whole suite of Bethesda. And if you think about what they started this show with, and then what they ended this show with, Bethesda games like big Bethesda games. So like that's that's a that's a huge get, obviously. But um, they also they they know how to like pace things in a really good way and yeah and, and it's always a tough thing to balance because you can't not everything is for everyone even within a you know a single show but they have a way this one especially it just felt like it was just everything was relevant to me even compared to the Nintendo we'll get to the Nintendo show we'll get to but like a lot of good stuff in that but for some reason like the pacing in that just like was pissing me off or something I don't know what it was but the Xbox <laughs> just felt right like it felt like a good stream of the right size of, of games. I, I, I adored it. So it was pretty cool. So yeah, the way the structure was, it was Todd Howard came out, introduced the show, introduced Starfield, Sarah Bond came out and then it was a bunch of games. And then it was uh, Joseph Staten for Halo and, and uh, Bonnie Ross, and then a bunch of games. And then it was Pete Hines inter- saying, you know, 10 games are coming to game pass and then a bunch of games. And then Phil didn't show up till the very end, like yeah. literally the end end of the show. Really good stuff. Uh, there's some details I want to cover with Starfield and uh, Redfall, but the first thing I want to talk about is, you know, why wasn't Everwild there? We knew why. You know, Jeff Grubb said, you know, Fable's not going to be there, Vow's not going to be there. Turns out Everwild got rebooted. Uh, its creative director left last year, so now the game's completely restarting development. And it's now scheduled for 2023 or 2024, which is crazy. Yeah, the person just up and left. But the the bright news here for Xbox gamers is the creative director now is the most senior employee at Rare. So this is a guy with the most experience there. You know, it's being headed up by somebody who knows what they're doing. And uh, what I read too is that the 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 reason the first creative director left Dom is that most people there were pushing for the game to not have any combat. And that was kind of like a sticking point of the, you know, the creative director wanting it to be, have combat in it of some sort. And I kind of get not wanting combat because all the trailers we saw for it, even though they were more thematic, was very peaceful. It was like these people engaging, you know, mm-hmm. patiently with these creatures. So adding combat in there does seem kind of forced with the vision of what it was intended to be. So it makes sense why that happened. But that's why you didn't see Everwild. Let's get to what it was actually shown. Like I said, Todd Howard came out and talked about Starfield. Uh, they ended with telling us it was an Xbox exclusive. Kind of got that confirmed, which is good for everybody out there who still somehow didn't think that was a thing. Uh, we got some, I would call it cinematic gameplay. I think it's evocative of what we can expect in terms of getting in your ship and stuff, but obviously it wasn't clear gameplay. I loved the, we saw a gun, which would looked like either a reload uh, notification nom or that the weapons like, damage of some sort when it was blinking that cautionary light on it i thought the design of the gun was really cool and it makes me believe that this game might have a dead space thing in terms of 
your gun will give you feedback just based on it being in the real world in vision and not necessarily you having a HUD element that tells you about it. Because right. on the gun too, it showed the ammunition. Or like um, a like Halo, I think maybe it was the first to do that, where you could see the ammo remaining on the assault rifle. Maybe it wasn't every gun, but yeah. Uh, I would say one of the dopest release date reveals of all yes. time, in my opinion. So cool. Where it's the you know the the cockpit, and you see the numbers popping up. It's eleven, eleven, twenty-two. Almost a, over a year and a half, or less than a year and a half away, which is crazy for a release date. Crazy. I can't believe they're doing it, but it seems like they're confident in it. Here's some more quick details on it, though. More hardcore RPG than previous Bethesda games. Can be played in first and third person. Duh, it's a Bethesda game. Grounded in scientific reality, but still a game. There are lasers in a vacuum. Alien races and planets. And, quote, it's very big, unquote. Um, a lot of stuff we kind of expected. Uh, we talked about in the chat on our Discord, Dom, that I kind of you know, predicted this stuff, but it's not hard to predict. If you know a Bethesda game, for better or worse, you know what they're striving for. I do like that it says more hardcore RPG, and I wonder if that has to do with it being a sci-fi game, right? Where, the, the, you know, they're sticking to a lot of the scientific bases of mechanics and physics and stuff like that. So maybe there's more to that. Um, in our chat, too, I told you that the biggest want I need to see from this game is companions to matter more in a Bethesda game. They're cool in, in Fallout. I think they're worse in Elder Scrolls. I want it to feel more like a Mass Effect game, like The Outer Worlds, where you're developing these closer-knit relationships. Because in past Bethesda games, they always felt like they were in the way more often than they were, and I didn't feel fully connected with them. There were some cool characters and personalities, but they didn't feel like my companion, you know? Mm -hmm. They just felt like a partner in crime that I was with for a bit, and then I... You know, they get, get killed somehow or disappear, and I don't even care that they disappeared. I'm just like, okay, whatever. It's just me now. Um, how do you feel about Starfield, and what do you want to see from this when we inevitably get the gameplay deep dive next year for the, the E3 yeah. presentation? Yeah, that's what I'm really looking forward to is that next E3, right, where we get the, you know, a 20-minute walkthrough or whatever with Todd and stuff. But I'm with you that the bit about it being a more hardcore RPG is what perked my ears up the most, like, the trailer was really cool, um, you know, not really gameplay necessarily, but definitely set a cool tone. But the fact that it, because my biggest complaints about their last game, well, not their last, last game, but Fallout 4, Fallout 4. was um, was that from the previous Fallout games, 3 and New Vegas, like they stripped down a lot of those RPG elements that, that was my favorite thing yeah. about those games. So to hear that for this one, you know, they're really digging in and hopefully that means, you know, a, a diverse skill tree um how you level up impacts what you you know what you can and can't do what quests are going to work and how you complete certain quests all that kind of stuff um you know maybe there's different factions or you know covenants or whatever it is all that kind of stuff like i want that shit i'm really ready for this um <laughs> i think the the other cool thing um that you pointed out is that this is going to be like a next gen only game which to me is exciting it's i mean it's ex you know exclusionary naturally but gets me excited for like a studio like bethesda you know what can they do just on you know a next gen machine just on the series x um and not having to worry about bringing it to the older platforms too so like what what can they what can they take us to so i'm pretty pumped it's the first it's gonna be the first game on the creation engine too which is their brand ah, new engine yes good point point. and the weird thing here of the leapfrog is that you know skyrim came out and then Witcher came out, and it kind of ate its lunch. And we were like, you know, what is 
you know, Bethesda were the RP of the Western RPG Kings. CD Projekt Red has kind of t- taken uh, taken that over, and then Cyberpunk comes out, and you're like, yikes! And then all of this stuff were kind of, you know, Cyberpunk lost all of its good grace overnight, and it's you know, Bethesda can claim that once again. I mean, they're gonna have to fight their own in-house partner in Obsidian with Avowed and stuff like that, and we'll get to you know Obsidian later. I'm just excited for this, and the date is cool, Dom, because we know we're getting you know. Being Bethesda fans, we know what we're getting from Todd Howard next year. He's going to go into the intricacies of the mechanics and what it feels like to be the astronaut. And I'm curious to see how they take the No Man's Sky concept of traveling to different planets and what that means. And how vast are these planets? Because obviously you're not going to be able to traverse the entire planets, I assume. I would I would trade off being able to get densely compacted cities that are unique to planets as opposed to being able to explore giant vast empty planets do you agree with me on that yeah and and that feels more at home as a bethesda game especially you know no man's sky was was the more like open barren thing right i I, I didn't play it but that's what that's what i'm pretty sure it looks like um whereas this i expect you know more like outer worlds um you can go to different planets but you're, you're limited to one part of that planet that's yeah there's there's a city and maybe some you know outskirts or some other areas but um yeah i think i agree with you that that seems like it's going to make more sense yeah i I just can't wait to see this game and i'm glad we saw it and once again release i would have been fine without no release date like Elden ring and to get one is wild and to Elden ring's point i think they got this date because it's hitting no matter what um i guarantee you that you know they're probably entering the end of finishing the game and the next 12 months is going to be polish I wouldn't doubt by the time they break for winter break in December, they come back and it's all about hitting that finish line of polishing up the game, um, which is cool. Part of me thinks, Don, that this game might have been able to come out this year, but they're trying to fix the issues that people know with Bethesda games where they come out buggy and there's issues. It could be a side effect of Cyberpunk of like, you know, maybe they were like, you know, people love Bethesda enough. We can release this game and yeah, it'll be buggy, but people will deal with it because we make really good handcrafted worlds. And maybe Cyberpunk scared them, and they're like, you know what? Let's just take the time. We got bought by Microsoft. We're in no rush. Let's just make sure this thing is better off. And if you think this game is launching without bugs, you know, you're living in a fantasy world. It will definitely launch with bugs, but hopefully they kind of trim those down and there's nothing game-breaking at launch. We'll see. A lot of games to get to here. Uh, Stalker 2 looked really impressive. Never played the first one. Yeah, it did. I would say this is my favorite presentation in terms of how to display gameplay, Dom. I love that it was a conversation where it cut to the gameplay and then it would cut back and there'd be very funny quips. I love the commitment to the language of the place this is being developed. It reminds me very much of Metro. Like, let me hear the Russian and read the subtitles. I want to feel like I'm in that world. It sold me on a franchise I was not familiar with. The game looks absolutely gorgeous. And, you know, with the studio behind Metro being purchased and I'm unclear if when we're going to get a new Metro game, this might be my new Metro. Like, I'm super excited for this launching a Game Pass has a hard release date too, Dom. April 28th of next year. This is a game that came out of nowhere and surprised me. Uh, I didn't think I'd be into a game called Stalker 2. Didn't know, knew nothing about it going in. And by the end of it, with the giant lightning bolts and the visual fidelity, I was in. This one impressed me too. Like I've, I've never played a Stalker game and I didn't really know much about it, but it just looked like visually, it just looked really cool. And then, and then like you said, the way they set this up of, you know, cutting the gameplay back to the conversation with this guy. Um, I really like that format. But yeah, this looked great. 
And it was just Kojima enough in its weirdness. Like the guy yeah. dancing around the paint bucket, the guy on the roof at the end that totally looked like a Metal Gear Solid villain. Um, yeah, I'm really interested in this game. And I love the horror elements because at first you think it's like a first-person shooter where it's like, you know, anti-communism uh, kind of stuff where you're fighting the Russian government of some sort. And then you get to the lab area where there's like this teleporting demon creature. And you're like, oh, okay, this is totally Metro vibes. I love it. Um, and the full title is Stalker 2 Heart of Chernobyl. Cool title. Uh, we got an extended gameplay of Back for Blood. It was revealed that that's coming day one to Game Pass, which is incredible. It's going to be a theme of this, you know, presentation. Once again, this is a game that I might not pick up for $60, Dom. But the fact that it's on Game Pass, I'll be able to play with people, you know, which is awesome. Um, Multiplayer-only games are a hard sell for people, but when you put it in a service like that, the guaranteed player base. That's going to be out October 12th, so... Um, you know, even though it's not an Xbox exclusive, Dom, I think it being in Game Pass Day 1 is huge for Xbox. So it's really cool to see. I don't know if you yeah. have anything to add for Back for Blood. No, I've seen it a bunch before, and so like I, I'm really hyped on this. I don't know if I'm going to buy it or play it, because I don't really play games with other people. I guess it depends on how that works out for me. But yeah, it looks cool as hell, and I really liked playing Left 4 Dead back in the day. And uh, this looked like a, you know, a newer, better version of that with some new stuff so I, yeah it looked cool as shit and you know the cool thing with this is that you can hop in with game you spend 15 dollars or get a deal instead of you know spending the 60 and hop in for a bit you never know there's always that option there right um we got the announcement of a new ip this is coming from avalanche studios the team behind just cause it's called contraband uh looks like a co-op open world game um heist seemed to be the central theme i loved on um, that they showed the the way the trailer unfolded, it's like from the, the band that brought you Just Cause. And it's like a co-op open world game. And it shows the plan of the heist. And then at the end, you see the chest. Like they got the they got the item. Yeah. Um, It looks really cool. Just Cause never really clicked for me. It was a little bit too wacky for me. It's very much Saints Row in that way of like the, the wackiness of it turned me off. This very much seems like in the vibe of like Tomb Raider or Uncharted. And I hope they lean into that style of, of like, you know, you're a treasure hunter and explorer and, you know, Avalanche is talented. And I think maybe getting the backing of Microsoft will help them out on this one. Correct me if I'm wrong. They helped on the latest rage game as well. Right. Didn't they? Yeah. That was Avalanche and id together. Yeah. I believe. And, you know, all the issues that game had, I think it still looked pretty. So I'm excited to see what this game is. Um, this is one of the, you know, this totally strikes me as a, a, a Sony move of partnering with this, uh, you know, a second party and getting this new IP, which I'm really excited for. Didn't expect to see this. Uh, speaking of didn't expect to see this, talk about a dope crossover. Sea of Thieves is getting Jack Sparrow and Pirates of the Caribbean DLC. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's called A Pirate's Life. It's a, you know, added story content. This works so seamlessly, Dom. Sometimes we get crossovers and it doesn't feel right. It's like, a, this is like a gross cash grab. Totally fits. They use the aesthetic of Sea of Thieves. They got a voice match for Jack Sparrow. They have, uh, Davy Jones and all the other characters. It's adding new enemy types in terms of mermaids and ghouls. They absolutely nailed it with this. Um, this has John Drake written all over it. Former, you know, Sony PlayStation guy. Now he handles um, licensing for Disney properties that are not Marvel. And this is such a win for both Disney with Pirates of the Caribbean, which has kind of lost its luster in the last couple of years, um, and with Sea of Thieves, which has just added bonus content. The crazy thing, Dom, is this is coming out in a week, and it's free. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. 
I saw so many people say, I want to play Sea of Thieves now. And it's good. It's awesome. And uh, this isn't the first licensed Disney deal that we're going to see in this show. We'll talk about another one later, which also fits perfectly. Next up, Yakuza 7 Like a Dragon is coming to Game Pass. Now the entire Yakuza series is on Game Pass, which two plus years ago, Xbox gamers had never played a Yakuza. So the fact that the entire series from 0 to 7 is available... Obviously, this one is different. It's called Yakuza Like a Dra uh, Dragon, but it's technically seven. Turn-based. It's kind of an entry point for people. I'm The other ones are open world and a little bit too... I mean, this one's also super wacky, but I wonder if the turn-based might be a better entry point for me. I downloaded it immediately because it was a shadow drop in terms of it being available, which is cool. A talking point I want to have is on B Battlefield 2042. I want to get out of the way. This game looks incredible. Wingsuits, dope. Grapple hook, dope. Weather systems, dynamic changing maps, awesome, incredible. I just don't know how this game's going to do in a 2021 DOM where every other major first-person shooter is free to play. Warzone is free to play. Fortnite's free to play. Apex is free to play. Halo, which we'll get to later, is free to play. I just don't know how this is going to succeed at $70 on next gen and $60 on current gen. I've talked to my friends obviously aren't as avid gamers as we are, but they play multiplayer games. And I told you in chat, it's like pulling teeth. None of them are going to buy this because it's multiplayer only. And the funny thing, Dom, is I know for a fact these guys aren't going to play the campaign, but the fact that they know it's multiplayer only is like a hell no. And if it had a campaign, they'd be more interested in buying it, and they still wouldn't play the campaign. And, you know, that's the thing is, I think it's a, a twofold argument of, Yes, every multiplayer game doesn't need to have a campaign. Battlefield, I don't think, needs a campaign. But at the same time, asking people to pay $70 in 2021 for a multiplayer-only first-person shooter is a tough ask, right? Yeah, and it ha like it's almost like they're in a vacuum and they're not releasing this game with knowledge of the context of, of every other multiplayer the market. game. <laughs> you know, it, it's weird because... Even Call of Duty, you know, yeah, they're going to charge 60, 70 bucks, but for their mainline games, but you know, you're getting a zombie mode, a campaign, and those campaigns are usually pretty cool and like, you know, have budget behind them and that kind of thing and a multiplayer mode or whatever. Um, so to come out with Battlefield, which needed to be reinvigorated, it needed a comeback because uh, I don't remember the last one was called. The, the last one was a World War II Battlefield from... I don't know, two or three years back. Battlefield it, five was the last one. Five. Yeah, it was five. But it uh I don't think it I don't remember exactly It didn't do well. It had the, even the Firestorm Battle Royale that was kind of like a afterthought and the, the multiplayer in general kind of tanked. People haven't yeah. loved Battlefield since Battlefield Four. It was Battlefield One, right? Spelled out O N E. And then it was Battlefield Five. And both those games haven't hit. So it's tough, man. And the thing about this, Dom, like we're still getting a Call of Duty this fall that may be 62 or 70, but that still has a campaign, which yeah. is much more higher budget and usually better reviewed than Battlefield and a multiplayer in addition to a free Battle Royale. Like that's the problem with Battlefield is if you launch alongside a free Battle Royale, I think you have an in there because people play that and they're like, I want more. I want to unlock guns for this Battle Royale. I want to do something. But not having that and not having a campaign is tough. And, like, I'm buying this day one, Dom, because I love the multiplayer Battlefield. This looks insane. It looks crazy. I'm not everyone. I have expendable income that I can pay on this game, and I also am willing to see it through in terms of a $70 purchase for just multiplayer yeah. only. I'm not everybody. You, you know what you, I mean? <laughs> you need people, too. This isn't like, you know, yeah, something like No Man's Sky, I guess, can make a comeback 
you know a year or two years later but for a, especially a multiplayer only game like you need a community like there concurrently you know like people playing this around the same time so you can't if it doesn't work it's not going to work and then it's going to be really difficult to come back from that um but yeah I, this kind of made me like damn it you guys you especially when like the game is like like you've been saying the game is probably gonna be fucking dope you know what i mean it's probably gonna be so good um and, and for like a game to be that good and and not succeed is because of the way they formatted it and the way they're selling it that just that's annoying it you know what i mean <sighs> yeah especially in a in a holiday where we're getting free to play halo which is another yeah. story entirely and yeah i mean it's it's gonna be tough this could still end up getting into game pass which would be huge for it because we've seen deals before where Outriders, I think, wasn't announced until like a week before it came out that it was coming to Game Pass. So it's still possible. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an uphill climb. And to your point, too, with No Man's Sky or even Fallout 76, Dom, people who tend to play those type of games are into the gaming industry enough to follow up on stuff, right? No offense to people who play Battlefield and Call of Duty and stuff. They're typically not the type of people, generally, who are going to upkeep on that stuff. So Battlefield comes out at 70 bucks, They forget it. Oh, Warzone has a new season. Oh, Fortnite has a new season. Yeah. Oh, what's happening in Apex? Halo free to play? Like it's it's gonna be tough. And man, when your biggest feature is like, oh, on next gen consoles, you can have 128 whatever players in a single <laughs> is game. Is it gonna be a full lobby? <laughs> How long you gotta wait to get that many people? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, it'll sell decently. Like, of course, Battlefield, especially with EA's marketing, is gonna sell decently. But it's not it's not like how well will it sell? Will it meet expectations? Will it have a player base a month after launch? Will it have a player base at launch? Mm -hmm. It's tough. Yeah. And to your point, I do think it's, you know, in a vacuum. And I'm not putting the fault on DICE. I think this is probably much more an EA decision than it is a DICE decision. We'll see what happens. It's DICE has had some tough runs, especially with, like, Battlefront 2. They kind of need a win. And uh, who knows if this is going to be it. Like you said, I think the game will likely be incredible. And it'll probably review very well. But will people buy it and play it? We'll see. Uh... 12 minutes finally got a release date dom uh so this is crazy uh hades which i'll just cut to you right now hades got announced for game pass that's coming out august 12th then a week later we're getting 12 minutes on august 19th and then a week later we're getting psychonauts 2 on august 25th that's incredible and i know you know these aren't the uncharted's or the halos or these giant games these are indie games but Hades was a Game of the Year candidate. I think 12 Minutes will be a Game of the Year candidate, and I don't see it being anything less than at least good. And Psychonauts, I think, is going to be a good time. A game people have waited 20 years for at this point. That's a really good August for Xbox. Yeah. And it, it all of this, and I know some people like to you know talk on Twitter, like, oh, I, I'm going to cancel my, EA, yeah, my Game Pass subscription because none of these games spoke to me. It's like, you're a very weird specific case and that's completely fine but for a lot of people who have the service yeah they might not play all three of those games but at least they have three different options in august alone to hop into a new game and that's not even counting games that have already released that they're going to be partnered into game pass it's crazy like uh i'm going to get around to playing psychonauts before psychonauts 2 comes out we've talked about 12 minutes forever and I've told you, how long have I told you, Dom, that like the moment Hades comes to Xbox, I'm playing it, which finally, thank God. Now we just then, need Fall Guys to get early state. And that's a good example, too, because Hades comes to, I didn't even know it wasn't on PlayStation already, but it released on same PlayStation. Same day for both. Yeah, yeah, the same day. But it's on Game Pass, and it's going to be, 
that's not expensive. I think it's like 25 or 30 bucks on PlayStation, right? So it's like, I mean, if you have the choice, if you have the option, well, even if you only bought a month of Game Pass, it's going to be 10 bucks. You know what I mean? So like, well, and with that, that month, choice, you're getting access to 12 minutes in Psychonauts. You know what exactly. I mean? In that month of new releases. So it's like yep. you're you're paying less even if you're a new subscriber and you get all these additional games. Mm-hmm. So good. Uh, I don't know if you had anything to say about 12 minutes or anything. I kind of skipped through all those with the release dates. I think we're good there. Um, I love Psychonauts too because it looks so double fine. Like I said, I've never played the first one, but I love that those type of unique experiences exist. Next up, we got P. Hines coming out talking about Bethesda wearing a Redfall shirt with nobody really noticing, which is yeah. cool. Uh, ten games coming to Game Pass uh, that weren't already in from Bethesda. This includes the first four Fallouts. Fallout Tactics, which I didn't know was a game that existed. Evil Within 2, I think the latest Wolfenstein, I believe, and a couple of other games in there. Um, we got an update for Fallout 76. Uh, they announced Steel Rain, which is a Brotherhood of Steel DLC coming out the 7th of July. Which... They teased... I got I got to stop on that because um this I'm so susceptible for this kind of shit apparently. And <laughs> so for I didn't this year but the past like 2 three, E3s or whatever I predicted they're going to remaster Fallout 3. Right? Because I don't know how much you, you what you price that at, but actually now that that question's different because it's easy to put it on Game Pass. But anyway, that was the same intro cinematic from Fallout 3 but just looked way better, you know? <laughs> and even yeah. the pit I think is um is a DLC from Fallout 3. I'm, it's 3 or New Vegas. It must be 3. But yeah, so I was like, oh, three, sweet. I think. This has got to be the remaster. It's, oh, no, it's it's the next expansion for 76, which is great, too. You know, um, but they got me. They got me on that. Where They got me excited for one thing and then pulled pulled the string over me or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, they did this one, uh, this weird one shot where they pulled back on this pilot and then it ended up revealing the pit, which is a, they call it a, uh, an expan or what was it? Not an expansion. They called it like a, exploration or something for 2022 um we got an update on other scrolls online obviously um so everyone who's excited about that next up we had party animals which is gang beasts with fuzzy creatures this looks super fun my friends are excited to play this it looks like a wacky time coming out 2022 it wasn't early access on steam i guess and people really enjoyed it uh it's kind of a bummer it's not coming out this year but it looks like a lot of fun I hope this is the type of game that uh, Xbox partners with Dom and they get like weird like Xbox skins, like a Master Chief skin in this or like oh, yeah. Banjo-Kazooie. Maybe not Banjo-Kazooie because I think that might hurt people too much that we're not getting a new game. Um, Hades got a release date. I talked about that. August 13th. This one. Funny enough, Dom, I was watching some presentations and everyone was like, yo, this reminds me of Inside. I'm getting Inside vibes because a lot of people didn't realize Jump Ship, the developers of Somerville, is the studio that was founded by one of the two founders of Play Dead that split off when they had their little thing that happened, and he went off to make his own game, and it's funny that his game is probably coming out before Play Dead's next game, which is the Astronaut game. Somerville looked incredible, Dom. Like, this looks so cool. You see the the inside inspirations there of this guy coming from Play Dead, right? It's his very much his creative touch on this. Creepy weird i love that you're not very clear on who's fighting with you or against you because in one of the cutscenes you're running and this guy with an alien gun is like helping you and protecting you looks super cool i love the the vibe at the end where the two parents are sleeping and the little kid wakes up to the weird noise in the house the kind of terrifying um what did you think of somerville yeah i still gotta play inside so i i have that uh gamer sin hanging on me right now but 
bad. Only the, three or four hours. One sitting, you can play. It's really great. There's, there's so I own it on PC too. Like it was like a free <laughs> Epic Game Store game or whatever. So like there, there couldn't be less of an excuse um, for me not to have played it still. But um, yeah, obviously that game reviewed great. So, and this looks like what I have seen from inside, and I'm sure it, like I expect it should be pretty cool too. So yeah. It, it's, it should be cool well the cool thing is we're having to wait like five years between plated games but if jump ship is here we might get him twice as fast with yeah. two different studios who there have the go. same vibe like uh City that, and that's listed for yeah that's listed for 2022 i hope it hits next year because it looks dope halo infinite so this is where bonnie ross and joseph staten came out they talked about you know halo multiplayer being free to play which i think a lot of people forgot about because that was previously announced um, they showed off a really cool cinematic for the campaign, which featured a new AI that talked about how Cortana was destroyed or disappeared, and Chief with one of the coolest lines where she's like, but that's not the mission. And he's like, missions change. They always do. And I'm like, oh, it's such yeah. a good line. The iconic Master Chief voice. Super cool. I don't need to see anything more about the campaign. I'm not worried about it by any means. Like, I don't need to know anything. I'm going to go in. Um, and then they showed off multiplayer, which looked great. And I think it got a lot of people hyped, but what I want to commend Dom is the multiplayer overview that came out the following day. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had a chance to check this out. I was like 12 I did minutes. actually. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. The thing I wanted to talk about is not only do you customize your Spartan with armor, you get to customize the Spartan inside in terms of picking the body weight. You can get prosthetics. Um, you can customize your vehicles and your guns with cosmetic items. The battle pass system is what I love about the battle pass systems that are done right in that game launches. The first battle pass that comes out, you buy it. If you don't get a chance to get around to playing it, Dom, never expires. If you hop back in a year later and there's six battle passes, you can go back to any of those six battle passes, click on that one to earn those items, and you'll all your progress will go to that specific battle pass. So you'll always have access to every battle pass that has ever come out for Halo Infinite which is huge because say, you know, you play at launch Dom, you don't come back for a year, but like six months after the game came out, there was a battle pass where you could get a ninja inspired set of Spartan armor that you really dig. It's not that you missed out. You go back, you get that specific battle pass and you can unlock for it. No loot boxes in the game. Everything that's earned through the battle pass can't be bought with money, meaning that you can't buy 20 extra levels to get the items you want. You have to earn it through the gameplay. Which I know some people say, you know, everyone doesn't have a lot of time. Why would you do that to people? It's because the battle passes don't expire, right, Dom? The fact that you can go back and do them at any time, you don't have to worry about making it a, a choice between time or money. They're always going to be there for people. I think they nailed the presentation of this. They did so well with it. I'm so excited. Uh, I want to add real quick before you talk about your impressions of the, the presentation. People are worried. Why is Halo Infinite not having a release date? What's up with that? I talked to Jez Corden on Twitter. Uh, I asked him, yo, in your opinion, why didn't Halo get a release date? Because he's an insider for Windows Central, obviously. And he basically said strategizing around Call of Duty, which makes sense because if you don't remember, usually at this point in time, we know what the next Call of Duty is. It already has a release date. It was announced a couple of weeks ago that Activision is announcing it in Warzone through an in-game event. So I assume that the moment we get a release date for Call of Duty, Xbox is announcing the the date for Halo And we're going to get a date for the beta too. It's really smart because, yeah, you can say Halo is big. It can compete against Call of Duty. But if you don't need to, why would you, right? No point to. And people are excited either way with it being free to play. So, 
yeah that's all i gotta say on halo how did it do for you dom no it looked fun as hell the like it it made me feel like what i remember feeling playing halo 3 you know when i was yeah i was in like middle school or whatever um the one thing i did want to point out though the the grappling hook looked really cool it reminded me of makes me think of like breath of the wild even where like you're kind of it's just there's no limits there's not just prompts or certain things you can connect to it seemed like you could connect that thing to like anything you know whether vehicles um, weapons so much stuff i forget what they call the ships that are the unsc ships that come through the sky that fly or whatever but like someone attached pelicans pelican yeah attached to one of those and like uh, hijacked it and i just imagine i'm picturing like all the wild stuff people are going to do with that and forge and stuff um so I think it looked really great. Yeah, the date stuff, I was like, I would never... I mean, it, it could be no reason at all. Like, they're just going to save it for a, a different news bit, you know, in a couple weeks or something, whatever they want. I think I don't think it's, it's yeah. still coming out this year, at least the multiplayer, one or the other kind of a deal, whatever it is. Yeah, it, oh, it looks so incredible. And the neat, like they showed, they did a good job at representing why the grapple hook is more than a traversal thing, where, like, you can pick up your weapons, you can pick up... Uh, like the little fuel canisters to throw at vehicles. Uh, one thing we didn't touch on, the Warhogs, they changed the way the animation destruction works for Warhogs. So you can like shoot off tires or shoot off the, the hood of the Warhog and it keeps going. There, uh, it, Once it starts on fire, it's very similar to a Call of Duty vehicle in that you have a set amount of time before it blows up so you can either get off or try to finish that last kill. Um, there's a new form of Warhog called the Razorback, which on the back you can attach either weapons or turrets to. And they mention it in both uh, multiplayer and campaign. And if you're playing the campaign solo, it'd be really cool to attach some UNSC guns on the back. So when you run out, you don't have to switch to the Covenant weapons that, you know, a lot of people prefer the UNC weapons of the battle rifle or, or the assault rifle. Uh, really cool stuff there. And yeah, I'm excited for this game. It, it feels they did the appropriate blend of nostalgia plus modernization. Yeah. And I like that the grapple hook feels like it fits into the world of Halo and they're not doing an addition of a mechanic just to say they have a new thing. I think it fits really well into the world. And I wonder if you can cancel the grapple because what we saw, Dom, is they grab the fuel canister and they pull it to them, right? And then they throw it at somebody. Imagine if you're being chased by somebody in a vehicle. You grab the canister, you pull it, but you let go so it flies over your head and hits the vehicle behind you. Oh, That's yeah. the type of stuff I want to see on social media of some crazy stuff in the theater. The Forge is going to be free too, which is huge, which is the map editor and gameplay creator for it. Yes. Um, yeah. I think cool. this game has a opportunity to be huge. And unlike what we talked about with Battlefield, Halo read the room and they understand that in 2021, yes. your FPS needs to be free to play. And that's a crazy thing, Dom, is I think this game could get away with not being free to play. And it'd be, people would be okay with it being 60 or 70 bucks. But committing to it being free to play... And not even for Game Pass, period. Anybody can hop in. They understand that in order to win the younger market with Halo, they need to be free to play, right? And I would, wouldn't would doubt, Dom, if they have a marketing deal with Fortnite that closer to when Halo releases, that Halo skin is back in the Fortnite shop for people to go and buy. And people are like, oh, you know, kids are like, hey, Master Chief, what is this? Oh, yeah, Halo came out this week. It's free to play. You want to check it out? And that's you get them going. So yeah. really excited for Halo. I think it has a promising future. And here's the thing, Dom. Like, do I want the campaign to be incredible? And do I hope it is? Yes. If the campaign comes out and is lackluster and doesn't hit and is kind of 343 doing what they did with 4 and 5, unfortunately, as, a, as much of a bummer as that would be, 
I think Halo multiplayer being free to play and the stuff they're implementing can still have Halo with a great future. And that's wild. Because if you told me years ago that Halo would come out and even if the campaign was bad, the multiplayer could carry it for years, I'd be like, well, yeah, Halo multiplayer is good, but how good could it be and how well could it carry the franchise? Because a strong part of Halo is the campaign. Um, so I think that's pretty impressive. And yeah, I hope the campaign's good. But on, in this place, I don't think it needs to be, which is a good place for Halo to be. Because if it is great, that's just icing on the cake for them, which is awesome. They haven't set a price for the campaign either. Obviously, it's going to be in Game Pass. But for those purchasing the campaign, no confirmation if it's 60. I wonder if it isn't going to be 60. That's a good point because, yeah, it's only the campaign. So they would have charged 60 for campaign and multiplayer, but I hadn't even thought of that. You're right. It might be if it's if it's standalone. It's kind of weird to think that at retail you're going to see Halo Infinite campaign on a box. I don't even know. Or did you say Halo Infinite? Well, I guarantee you it'll say, like, comes with the multiplayer some shit or another. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, really cool stuff there. And, by the way, the Samurai spartan armor for the first season looks dope looks so sick the the clip dom of him throwing the plasma grenade it hitting the sword in the air him catching it midair oh, chef's kiss yeah, so yeah, good yeah. so good uh let's run through a lot of this stuff here we're running along i want a lot of xbox stuff a lot of stuff to talk about we got diablo 2 resurrection dated for september 23rd uh plague tale requiem got announced the sequel to plague tale innocence plague tale innocence is on game pass dom i want to get to it a narrative game everyone loved from a Sobo studio that's dated for 2022, which is a talking point we'll probably lean into in future podcasts of the amount of games that are dated for 2022, which seems like the fortunate side effect of COVID of all of these games getting pushed from 2021. 2022 seems stacked. Far Cry 6, we've talked about it. This is, I wrote down Attack Rooster, Dom. So I think this is where we saw that. Okay. Yeah. I wrote down Attack Rooster. Uh, this was a huge announcement for me. I know it wasn't a big pop for everyone. Slime Rancher 2. Mm-hmm. The first game is really awesome, really fun. It, it definitely Pokemon vibes. You know, people who are interested in plushies and stuff, they have all of the plushies for all of the slimes in an online retail store. They get it, dumb. Like, they released this game. They're like, we have cute characters. People are going to, like, I wouldn't doubt if this game has made as much money off of its merch store as it did its sales of its game because they're so adorable and they just get it. Uh, Slime Rancher 2 looks cool. I'm interested to see what they add in terms of gameplay mechanics. Um, launching 2022. It's going to be a launch exclusive on Xbox. Shredders. This seems like a $30 to $40 snowboarding game that most people would bypass. The fact that it's on Game Pass, Tom, I think is awesome. I'm going to check it out simply because it's on Game Pass because I feel like playing a snowboarding game. Would never play this if it wasn't on Game Pass, ever. But the fact that I could just download it and check it out. As uh, Snowbike Mike from Kind of Funny would say, I'm going to shred the gnar a little bit. Shred the gnar. And, uh, get in there. I, the, they're they're looked- really really good graphically like it looked in like the physics the way the snow moved like it looked incredible and i've i don't know nothing going for me for snowboarding but pretty sure this one is like a series x only one too so i guess that makes sense so that's cool i want to put together a punk pop playlist dom oh put I'm that your baby on Whew. and just no no, no. I, ha- I have i have good pop punk music okay don't, okay i'm just saying i want to put together a playlist and maybe I'll get some recommendations from you, maybe of songs I've missed. But I just want to put that baby on, turn on Spotify, put on the headphones, and just play this game. I think that's the vibe I want to go for. and just Because it, it looks beautiful, and it's more simulation than arcade, and I'm mm-hmm. down with that. And I love their uh, release date announcement of 
we're feeling good about December uh, twenty twenty one. I noticed that. That was funny. Yeah. Also, good time to release a snowboarding game in winter. Solid there. Next up, a game that freaked everyone out: Atomic Heart. This is the Russian Bioshock game, is what I like to label it as. Uh, it's like Bioshock meets Kojima. Very weird. Very odd. Kind of bummed we didn't have a release date yet because this has been around for a while, Dom. We've known about mm-hmm. this game for like three years now. Coming Game Pass Day 1 is really cool. I'm My only concern with this game is I know it's going to be weird as shit. I know that going in. So I, I'm prepared for that. This has the vibe, Dom, where this could be like a six-hour game, which isn't necessarily bad, but it could be one of those games where we're seeing all of the best moments because it just isn't a very big game. So... Interested to see what happens there. We also don't know fully how RPG or action-based this is. Like, are you having conversations with these weird scientists? What's going on with these robots? It's just very vague. So we'll see what happens there. This is a game that I think could have a big pop next year at E3, Dom, where they come out and showcase it, and it's like a gameplay demo. I think that'd be huge for this game where it's like, you know, push start at the main menu. We get in. What is this game? We'll see what happens. Anything on Atomic Heart? No, I, yeah, I just I want to I want to know more. I want to see more. Yeah, kind of same thing. One of my games of the show for Xbox and in general, replaced. This <sighs> game is one of the most beautiful art styles I've ever seen in an indie game. It's pixel art mixed with three D. Uh, it very much has Last Night vibes, except the creator of it isn't an asshole. Uh, allegedly, I'm going to say that for legal reasons. Allegedly, an asshole. <laughs> if you know about what happened to Last Night, there's a reason why that game kind of disappeared from marketing and stuff. Um. The guy's just not a good dude. Uh, this is set for 2022. Game looks really cool. Feels very much Blade Runner Dom. I love the lighting in this game. Combat's cool. The tilt shift of the camera for the trailer, yeah. the soundtrack. Just chef's kiss in all the right ways. It cuts to you climbing that flickering hotel sign. So good. My worry is this is a game that gets delayed for three years over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah. If it does hit 2022, God, I cannot wait. Holding my breath, though, but beautiful representation there. And I think this was Xbox being like, we get people wondering where last night is. Let's get a game that's going to kick everyone's ass and show why people love that aesthetic. And God, it looks so beautiful. This looked incredible. I mean, I, I had to imagine like how these things go when like a developer has a game or an idea and like they put together a, a, a concept or a demo and like they're kind of trying to get a publisher or something, right? And if I'm like looking to publish games or looking to invest in something and I saw this, I'd be like, this is it. What do you need? What like what else do you need to make this game? Let's make this shit happen. And it looks so cool. This is the this is the equivalent of walking into your local YMCA basketball court and seeing a seventeen year old LeBron James playing a bunch of random ass thirty year old dudes and be like, Hey, do you play basketball do you play organized basketball? And he's like, No, and you're like Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> we're getting you into some organized basketball. You know what I mean? Oh, man. Uh, I want to tell this really quick anecdote. So there's a center of the place for the Portland Trailblazers. Okay, Dom? Professional basketball player. He's a center, so he's like seven foot tall. Okay? The only reason he plays basketball and got drafted in the top 10 picks in the NBA draft is because in the late 90s, uh, I think he's from Bosnia, somebody read a paper where this seven foot, 450 pound man, he's one of the largest men in the world, Fought off, he's a security guard for a nightclub, fought off 13 men who were trying to kill them, kill him, sent them all to the hospital. So this guy read this paper, he was a basketball scout, and he's like, this 40-year-old dude, 7 foot, 450 pounds, traveled to the little city that that guy was from, asked him if he had a son, turns out he had a 12-year-old son named Yusuf Nurkic, 
told the dad that he was a basketball scout, put him in basketball camps, got good at basketball. Obviously, he ended up being seven feet tall, ended up being a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. All because his dude read a newspaper story about this security guard who fought off 13 people and sent him out of the hospital. That's the wildest sequence of events I've maybe ever heard in my life. Crazy. So if that guy never read that story, Yusuf Nurkic would probably be a security guard in Bosnia <laughs> just like doing his thing. Fucking up 15 Wild. guys trying to one-up his dad. And he's not like a top five center or everything, but he's good. Like he's a good player. It's really cool to see. i just talking about the wildness of everything getting connected. Anyways, Grounded. Got a new update for Grounded. Oh, Mushroom yeah. and Doom update. It's adding mushrooms. The big thing here that I, I thought people didn't notice is that with the mushrooms, you could build castles, which is cool. Because before, with all of the wood you were getting, it was more like house cabin structures. And this allows you to make mushroom bricks and build a castle, which is dope. Uh, they said, you know, we're adding something no one asked for, which is the brood mother, which is a giant spider. Yeah. Still not 1.0 release yet, but this is an awesome update. I don't know how Obsidian does everything they do over there between all of the games, between Avowed, a game we'll get to later, and this. Um, and I love their tagline, go bigger, never go home. Uh, I'm probably going to get into this when it comes out um, on the 30th of this month, just to hop back in. Grounded is one of those games I like to touch in on, see what's new. Dom, what's one thing I love about the Xbox ecosystem for me personally? PlayStation has trophies. Achievements? They added achievements to this game, baby. I'm going to go oh. in, and I'm excited to see if I, it's retroactive and a bunch of those achievements pop for me or if I have to earn them again. Really interested to see that, but I'm glad because... Okay. I see. You know, pre, pre-release games and early access games, they're obviously games, and I'm not trying to be... I'm not trying to offend anyone when I say this, but a game really feels like a game when it gets achievements on Xbox for me. It's probably the same way for people on PlayStation of like... It feels more like a legitimate game experience when I get that added level of interaction. So I'm stoked that it has achievements. Really excited. Uh, because on uh, early access, games don't technically need achievements. That's kind of the loophole there. Next up, we got an update on Among Us. It's coming to the console for anybody who still cares about that game. Uh, this one kind of caught people off guard. Euden Chronicles 100 Heroes, which is a turn-based JRPG. People are like, oh, this is a odd random games coming on 2023 with the prequel in 2022 this is made by the people who made uh, sukoden or suikoden however you want to pronounce it the playstation one jrpg that people adore uh this is kind of that team making the spiritual successor to that and that's why it looks so gorgeous uh in that octopath traveler type stuff this one dom coming day and day to game pass i'm gonna hop into this when it comes out in two years just because of that and give it a try because i know how much people love sukoden yeah, this is uh, this is cool because I had recently become aware of Suikoden Two specifically is the one that I guess is really popular. But I think this was a Kickstarter or something to that effect, and obviously makes sense. Yeah, it's been picked up, and Xbox was like, Kickstarter, no, we we got you. Come on, come on over <laughs> to Uncle Phil's, you know. <laughs> and this is part of the initiative to get a more diverse range of games on the Xbox platform. We've seen it yeah. with Yakuza, which we already talked about, Kingdom Hearts. Uh, rest in peace, Sora. He didn't die, just, you know, rest in peace, Sora. Uh, <laughs> next up, we had The Ascent, which is a game we already knew about. It's the uh, stick, uh, twin stick shooting bullet hell game set in a cyberpunk future. That's coming out on July 29th. Um, Age of Empires 4 got revealed with the release date. That's October 28th. Uh, looks cool, more Age of Empires. Once again, I'm going to hop into this on PC solely because it's on Game Pass. I have a, you know, fondness for Age of Empires. Um, 
what was there was Age of Empires and then there was another one that was with like Mytho- Age of Mythology, right? It was like the spin-off for Age of Empires. Hmm. And that's yeah. one I really got into where you got to choose like Ra or Zeus or somebody as your uh leader. So, excited for this. Good to see another Age of Empires game once again the diversity of this whole presentation. Here's the thing, and this is why I'm glad Xbox is brave is too strong of a word, open enough to do this. We got arguably one of the most hysterical reveal trailers for the Outer Worlds too. Where it's like, a vast open field. Will this creature be in the game? No, get a good look at it now. Uh, uh, now we see the character, but only their outline. Because the developers haven't finished the final uh, character design. So good. Uh, Outer, uh, the only thing they have done is the logo. Outer Worlds 2 in development, awesome. Some people might be like, why would they show this and Starfield in the same presentation when they're both sci-fi RPGs? Obviously, they're dumb. One's more comedic leaning, and the other one is obviously more of a hardcore RPG. Uh, but, you know, the, people could make the case of why show both of them. You don't need to, right? You can wait another year and then unveil Outer Worlds too. But I think this was part of, we saw them come out and clearly say, Dom, Starfield is an Xbox exclusive. I think this is Xbox's thing, too, of saying, no, we're publishing this one. The Outer Worlds is our franchise now, right? Because obviously, the Outer Worlds one was published by Private Division. And I think Xbox wants people to understand this is our franchise now. So I think that was really cool. Obviously, nothing to see there. I think you're with me, Dom, in that just knowing it exists and it's in development is great because with the Vowed in development and whatever else they could work on, they could have totally been like, we have you know, from Xbox, we already have, you know, Starfield. You guys can work on whatever else. You don't need to do Outer Worlds 2. And because it was a partnership with a publisher like Private Division, maybe we didn't know if Obsidian was fully into returning to it, right? Because now they have the financial freedom of Microsoft, they could literally do whatever. Because who knows what they, what Private Division had to sign off on for Outer Worlds to get greenlit, what compromises they had to make. So it was never clear of like, how much is this is Obsidian's vision and how much they want to return to it, right? And I'm glad to see like, oh no, they're doubling down. Yeah, I got to imagine that this trailer, it was, it was so funny. I got to imagine that Someone had this idea at Obsidian to like make this very self-aware trailer, and then obviously it caught on, and then they did it, and then you know, and then Phil saw it, and Phil was like, "Oh yeah, we're we're putting this in. We can do this. This is worth it." Just it it was just really good. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's one of those trailers that it didn't need to be in the show. Like no one right. was clamoring. They didn't. We didn't need to see Outer Worlds too. But I think because the trailer concept was so good, exactly, it let it be a part of it. Right. Awesome. Yeah, because I guarantee you, Phil's probably like, we don't need anything from you guys. And they're like, no, one of the people on the team yeah. had this really cool idea. Exactly. And they showed Phil, and he was probably cracking up. He's like, oh, it's too good not to show. <laughs> Microsoft Flight Simulator coming to consoles. Such a good trailer. I love at the end where it, the music cuts off, and it's like the sky is calling. There's that ending montage. So good. It's going to be launching on uh, July 27th on console. And then we got the Top Gun tie-in where you get to get to fly the Top Gun jet which is really cool. Two Disney crossovers in this presentation that both completely fit with the game, don't feel out of place, don't feel forced. And this, if Disney is already working with Microsoft this much, Dom, I think we're going to see some more stuff in the future. I would not be shocked to see some more partnerships. And maybe they're just crossover DLCs. Maybe Xbox is working on on a Marvel or DC game. Who knows? Wouldn't be surprising either way. But this isn't the last we see of a Disney partnership just because how well these things look to be done, you know? So, that's that. Are you a big Top Gun guy? Never seen it. I love the vibe of Top Gun. I've never seen it either. 
Like, I love the music cue of it. I'm not a huge Tom Cruise guy, but just the overall vibe of it's dope. And I know how much that means to all the Top Gun fans out there. So, uh, next up, probably the best presentation in terms of just showing a game and letting it speak for itself, Forza Horizon 5 in Mexico, coming out November 9th, 2021. I don't get how Playground makes all of their Forza Horizon games look better and better every time. It's incredible. This game looks gorgeous. Once again, not a racing game guy. It's launching a game pass. I'm playing it day one. It's going to have a campaign mode. It seems to be authentic to Mexico. They're featuring a lot of local Mexican artists. Has the vibe. Some people made a very funny joke of you're driving this million dollar uh, car through this like poverty ridden <laughs> city. Don't think that too much on video games because the more you do, the sadder you'll be. But it is a really weird juxtaposition there. Um... The creative mode, I think, is cool. We talked about Forge mode earlier, Dom. I think this having its own creative game mode feature will be huge for it, too. Because for people that aren't simulation racing guys or love just point A to point B racing, making weird mini games where you're knocking down bowling pins or destruction derby or knocking people off of certain ledges, I think that'll add to getting a wider audience that aren't just car people. Uh, so I'm excited for that. And yeah, Forza Horizon 5 looked absolutely gorgeous. Once again, so not a car guy. I immediately after the stream, Dom, I went and put this on on 1440p and watched this sucker again. Good lord, the photogrammetry when they would do the thing where they it was a still image, right? And they're like, "Oh no, this isn't fake or magic. This is the game." And then a car would come into screen. Oh, so good. Anything, Dad? No. No. <laughs> Did <laughs> look great. good though, right? I'm not lying yeah. about it. Yeah. Okay. Last up, Arcane's next game, Arcane Austin, Redfall. Really cool presentation. Uh, some people got confused about this. Uh, we'll talk about the actual presentation, but some people thought this was like a Left 4 Dead, Back 4 Blood type thing. It's not. It's an open world co-op game. You fight vampires, but it's not the horde-based, wave-based thing. Really cool powers. It seems like the four main characters, the, the black female has this spectral elevator you can use to get up to buildings. The Hispanic male in the cloak that they called Edgar Allan Bro, which is a really funny tease, um, seems to have a sniper slash cloaking uh, thing where he can hit steady shots, but he can also cloak himself. The the uh, Middle Eastern like really intelligent dude. I don't think we saw any abilities from him, right? We only saw that he had the stake shooter, but he didn't have an ability. And the, the other girl too with the sunlight gun didn't have an ability. At least we didn't see. Oh no, yeah. And then the, the girl with the Spectral Elevator also had the umbrella. Either way, it looked really cool. Loved the designs. It felt very arcane. I want to see gameplay. The biggest thing to me, Dom, summer 2022? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Uh, this was cool as shit, dude. Like, I think you guessed this exactly right. I think you said we we're going to no, see there it. No, right? there was, there was a, a Project Omen was already known about. It was a vampire mm -hmm. game. Not taking credit for it. I didn't guess it. But yeah. Well, I thought you guessed that they were going to end the show on the review. Oh, yes. Game, I, I got Starfield good. and Halo wrong, right? I said Halo would open, Starfield middle, mm -hmm. this last. Obviously, Halo was middle, Starfield opened. But you are, yeah, I did say last. <laughs> yeah, no, this is cool. I mean, I'm I'm assuming we're getting like a, 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 a Dishonored with a little bit different vibe, maybe a little goofier um, with, you know, an option for co-op. And like, it looks fun as hell. And I'm, I'm excited. Um, this is a great way to end their show too. It was a cool reveal of a of a new thing that, for me, I don't know, it really hit. I liked it. Does Arcane do AI really well? Uh, I mean, as well as anybody. 
Okay, because you know, the, with this being being able to be played solo or in a group, it's going to be really important how well those other three companions function when they're just AI. So that's why I was curious. I was like, how well are they at that? You know, of making AI companions that feel yeah. good. It's an interesting thing because in Dishonored, in those games, you're it's pretty easy to like manipulate the enemies and like get a sneak around that because you're so overpowered right you have so many wild abilities even even when like they're you know whatever level they're in like it's usually pretty easy to like just take them to town and trick them or do whatever you need to do um and that's the fun of it so it's not like it's not bad ai it's just like not anything crazy i guess yeah next up square enix really bad presentation one of the best demos of a game like guardians of the galaxy incredible showcase the way they showed off this game that started the show and then literally everything after it was a dumpster fire so i want to get to all those first before we talk about before i gush over guardians so final fantasy the pixel remaster is coming to just mobile and steam unclear what exactly they are not coming to switch really weird um marvel's avengers though the uh, war for Wakanda thing looked really dope we didn't get clear gameplay and Despite it having a release date of August 2021, they didn't say that in the presentation. Really weird. Um, it, I don't think Marvel's Avengers showed as good as it could have, and I'm bummed about that. Still going to play it, still excited, because Black Panther did look super cool. Um, but yeah, I don't think it showed very well. Uh, Babylon's Fall looked like a downgrade. Uh, I know people <laughs> love Platinum, but this people are like, is this just the stream compression? And then people want to watch it afterwards like, oh no, this is just a very muddy, gross art style. Uh, the fact that people heard it was a you know it was announced it was a live service game kind of bummed a lot of people out. This went in the opposite direction of people were hyped about Babylon's Fall. What is this? Is it like a you know a religious vibe on a Souls game? Like what exactly is it going to be? Platinum making this type of action game kind of failed on all cylinders there. And then we heard about this Final Fantasy Origin that was supposed to be a Souls like Final Fantasy game. It gets revealed. It's a white dude saying chaos seventy five times, and it plays more like Devil May Cry. And that's being like generous. Uh, then it has a demo that's supposed to launch the day of the event, and it's broken with corrupted files, and no one can play it for the first day. Huge bummer. If you were to tell me Square Enix would have a presentation and their best shown game would be the, one of their Western games, I would have been dumbfounded, right? All of their Japanese stuff kind of flopped. Weird mobile section people weren't clear on. Didn't show Final Fantasy 16 in any real capacity or Forspoken. But Guardians from Eidos Montreal, coming October 26th. It's coming out this year, and it's a single-player narrative-driven game where you just play a Star-Lord. I think the story's going to be cool. I love the quips between the characters. I think they nailed their personalities. I love the decision-making, Dom. It seems like it's a very much a telltale system of Rocket Roll, remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think they, once again, I na- they nailed the designs. I know people are like, oh, it's MCU light. It's Dollar Store MCU. It's like, no, they're comic characters first, so... They look different in various forms. It just, you know, I know you're familiar with the MCU stuff, but as somebody who's a comic guy, it's like, no, these characters always look a little bit different. That's just how it is with superheroes. That didn't bother me at all. My one concern is the combat, and I don't think it looks bad necessarily. It's just one of those things where it's just off enough that I'm hesitant mm-hmm. because if it sings and it it's fluid and it moves and, you know, using powers of your partners feels good, I think it's going to be great. If it doesn't, is it going to feel floaty? Are these enemies bullet sponges? How does it exactly feel? And I think at the end of the day, the narrative will carry me through even if it's not great, but I want it to be good. And that's just my one concern. Everything else outside of just the combat, I'm super sold on, and I love that it's coming out this year. 
Yeah, I thought it looked cool, but I was with you. I was like, the, the combat was kind of like, oh, and I don't know. It's kind of it reminded me of when I first saw the combat in um, Marvel's Avengers. I was like, oh, okay, I guess. I mean, it looks fine, you know, just fine, I guess. <laughs> but uh, if it's not this being a you know a more a single player narrative game, you know, and there's you, you, like you said, you're making choices. You have great dialogue between the characters. Um, I think that can easily like carry through, you know okay to only good combat that could easily easily carry you through a campaign that's you know 15 or 20 hours or whatever and still have a great time um if you asked me to play you know that kind of combat for 100 hours i might be like "Mm, no thanks bro but uh, yeah i don't know if you agree with me on this but everything outside of the combat gave me fallen order vibes like it definitely has a similar Hmm. feeling of them taking this property and making a story-driven narrative game um, especially with the way they presented the world when they first get off the ship, right? When the mission, the gameplay section starts, very much felt like Fallen Order. Obviously, it seems like the combat won't be as good as Fallen Order, but I hope it, it's at least, you know, decent. And I hope it wins me over. I love the, the, the special moves and the music. And yeah, it just, it showed off better than I thought it was. And for everyone out there who was concerned it was going to be a live service game, I'm glad it isn't. And uh, it's one of my favorite games of the show. And we're going to end off with... Uh, let's see here. Was there anything else for Square Enix? Nothing of note. Devolver Digital. It was Devolver Digital. Gearbox was a train wreck. Jesus, that was awful. Uh, <laughs> good lord. Um, Nintendo. So there wasn't a whole lot for Nintendo that I was actually interested in. I thought it was a good presentation, but for content, it just didn't sing to me. I'm gonna go through this, and if there's any point, something you want to talk about, just let me know, Dom. Okay. So, first up, we had. Uh, Kazuya coming to Smash as a new character. People are excited about that. Obviously, he's one of the main characters in Tekken. Um, Life is Strange Remastered and True Colors coming to Switch. Life is Strange True Colors coming out day and date on September 10th. The remaster, no date. Really weird. They also yeah. did a bad tease because people thought it was a new Life is Strange game with a new art style, but it was just for the marketing. Very weird presentation. Uh, Guardians is coming via Cloud on on, on Switch. Oh. Uh, day and date. Oh shoot! Okay, I didn't notice that that was cloud. I thought it was just coming to Switch. Now I'm. I was about to say how cool it was that that game's going to be on Switch. But if it's cloud, I'm kind of like, all right, we'll see. Well, I think that's the only way that game can run on Switch. If we're right. being honest about the pro, uh, mm. that wasn't announced in the show. It was tweeted afterwards by Nintendo, or maybe it was okay. uh, okay. Idos Montreal. Somebody. That's why I missed uh, it. We got Worms okay. Rumble, brand new Worms game. We got Astral Ascending, uh, September 30th, Japanese side scroller. Uh, we got Two Point Campus, which showed up everywhere. We got Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania, which is celebrating the 20th anniversary of Super Monkey Ball, which seems to be more celebration than uh, what Zelda's getting, in my opinion. Uh, we'll get to that later. Um, that's coming out October 5th. Mario Party Superstar, which was one of the clear favorites of the show. New Mario Party game featuring five remastered N64 Mario Party maps and over 100 mini games. And online multiplayer, which is the biggest thing. And you can save mid-match, which is also huge. This is essentially that uh, Mario Party game that came out only on, what was it, 3DS or Wii U? And then never came to Switch. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, a makeup for the terrible Mario Party. I shouldn't say terrible. I should say very lackluster uh, <laughs> Super Mario Party that came out on the it Switch. Was, it was light. Yeah. Yeah. This is no. cool, though. This this was my highlight of the show, believe it or not. This was like my the coolest thing. I was like smiling. I was giddy while watching this. Um, I, I've been wanting 
I like really like Super Mario Party, but it's just very minimal. There's only four stages. Um, there's a bunch of games that many games that are that are good, but um, you know it was fine. I just wanted more. I was like, if they released some DLC, some more stages, like I'd be in on it no matter what. So this was like even better than what I could have wished for. Uh, remastering, remaking, you know, the stages from the original couple Mario Party games, which I like, you know, played the shit out of when I was a kid. Um, so to see some of those stages, I haven't seen some of them, you know, since yeah, I was, I don't know, seven years old or whatever. So like, this is, I was like, I was all about this. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> um, this is, I mean, this is like a couple, like maybe one or two spots behind Elden Ring from like my favorite thing announced <laughs> this week. I believe it or not. Like I was all about it. Uh, next up is an announcement. I think would get crucified if Xbox or PlayStation made it because it's Nintendo. They get a pass. They came out and basically said Metroid Prime Four. Yeah, we're still working on it. Uh, literally no new update outside of that. Just words. It was followed by Metroid Dread, which was a rumored game that was supposed to come out in the early 2000s. It's the first new 2D Metroid game in 19 years. Obviously, Samus Returns and some other games, other M, which were remakes or remasters of previously created 2D games. This is brand new. Uh, this is going to be a hot take. It comes out October 8th. I didn't like the art style for this game. I don't think it looked good. I think it mm-hmm. kind of looked kind of grody. Um, and this is, you know, I'm excited for Metroid Prime 4. I want the Metroid Prime collection done so I could hop into that franchise for the first time. Well, you know, 3D Metroid. I've played Super Metroid and I loved it. But, like, I want the Metroid Prime collection so I could see what all the hype is about to get excited for 4. This didn't do anything for me. I, it looked like in a world where I'm playing Ori and the Blind Forest and all these other 2D games, like it just didn't sing to me. It just looked outdated. Uh, and I know some Metroid fans are going to be excited and they're happy that they're getting a new one, but for it did nothing for me. I was like, cool name, but outside of that, I'm like, Ugh, whatever. I'm with you. I was kind of like, it looks like it might be fun, but it doesn't look particularly pretty. It just kind of looks that it's there. Um, I did. I thought the mechanic was cool of that... Um, robot constantly stalking you i think that's that was a pretty cool idea um yeah. having you know been playing resident a lot of resident evil lately um i really like that kind of uh tension that that can build um i mean and it's am i gonna i'm probably not gonna give this a chance unless it goes on sale which it won't that's the other thing with nintendo games you know when we're talking about some of the stuff at microsoft especially microsoft um because it's going to be on game pass but then even like playstation stuff it's like yeah, if it's like a maybe, like I hey, just wait till it drops in price by half because it will. But Nintendo, it never does, so it's kind of like I'm never gonna pay sixty dollars for this um, unless it's just like ten out of tens all over. But yeah, I was kind of like, eh, it seems fine. Maybe it isn't sixty, but who knows? With Nintendo, I'm that's a good point. Price. I could be assuming things too quickly here. Yeah, <laughs> we get the return of Just Dance 2022, uh, Cruise and Blast, another game, yada yada yada, the uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot port. Uh, Mario Golf Super Rush, which looks cool. Once again, this is a game that I don't know if I'd. If this was a Xbox or PlayStation game and it went on sale for sure, I don't know if I want to spend sixty for this. Yeah, we've seen um, a lot of it already too, so it's kind of yeah. Okay. Monster Hunter Stories too. Seen a lot of this too. Shout out to Monsties. What a weird phrase. Uh, a lot of people are excited for a new WarioWare. Get it together. Cool. Not paying sixty bucks for this. It was uh, creepy. I don't. I've never. I didn't never knew what Wario War where was, but this they, was weird. They're weird me like out. that. They're, he was talking. They're always like that. Why is he talking? Ugh. Yeah. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five, which, uh, you know, Alyssa, uh, from the you know friend of the show is probably gonna hate me for this. That game looked ugly. 
and that game looked so bad. I think it looked like I thought honestly at first thought it was a remaster of like an older game. I didn't know it was like a brand new Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah. Uh, and it, when you look at when you look at Persona games in comparison, which Persona is a sp- a spin-off of Shin Megami Tensei. So, yeah, this was one that it didn't really do much for me, but I think it's a big deal. I think a lot of people are excited about this, but I don't have a good I don't have a good pulse on that, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had Danganronpa 10th Anniversary. This is some Nintendo-ass stuff. So Danganronpa De- Decadence is a four-game collection for physical release, but on digital, each game is going to be sold separately, which is wild. <laughs> That's such a Nintendo move. Weird. Uh, Fatal Frame made in a Blackwater is a port of the Wii U. Fatal Frame, not a new Fatal Frame, unfortunately. So if people want a new Fatal Frame, I guess go buy this one. Uh, we got Doom Eternal DLC, which looked the worst it'll probably ever look. We got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2 coming on June 25th, which is dope. Uh, even though we're never going to get another one because that studio is now working on Call of Duty. Uh, we got Strange Brigade coming, or Shadow Dropping, which is a weird double-A game that came out on PlayStation and Xbox. Kind of got lost in the shuffle. Mario Plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope. No new footage. Literally the same thing we saw at Ubisoft. Uh, this one is probably my game of uh, Nintendo Direct Advance Wars 1 plus 2 Reboot Camp. It's a remake coming out December 3rd of the first two games. I love Advance Wars and I getting to play the first two once again, super cool. Not entirely sold on the art style. The more I see it, the more I like it. But at first it was pretty jarring. It was a little too shiny for me, a little too uh, toy car looking. Um, but we'll see. And then we got to the end of the show, which I thought the first thing they announced was the last thing, and I was laughing. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe it. Because it got to the last section with E.G. Anuma, and they showed off Hyrule Warriors DLC, and I was like, don't tell me they're ending yeah. with Hyrule Warriors. I thought that's what was happening too, and I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I should have I should have known. I should have known to expect <laughs> this, but yeah. And, and then we get a look at Skyward Sword, and I was like, oh, is this what they're ending on? You know, the new Zelda coming out. Well, you know, not new, technically. I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. And then they get to the Game & Watch, which is the sorriest attempt at celebrating an anniversary for a game franchise. <laughs> Here's the worst way to play these three iconic Legend of Zelda games in this weird Game & Watch altered minigame. And, yeah, buy it for 40 bucks or whatever it's going to. I don't know how much Game & Watches are uh and i was oh, like but, jesus christ but but guys but look you know we added in this weird little dentist office game where you can play as link and it's literally just two colors swinging or whatever and like yeah in the weirdest three zelda games you could have picked like i don't know and but but also oh here's the coolest thing you're not gonna believe this there's a clock in game <laughs> believe it or not well, yeah it's game and watch so it's kind of you know they all come with a, a, a clock I, but still and then yeah. he, pre- no sh- no fault to uh, Anuma, but he was like, to celebrate the anniversary of Zelda, we don't have a game or anything else. Here's this. He even said that. I'm not making that up. That's not like me in- interjecting words he didn't say. He said, we don't have a game or some special thing. I forgot the exact word on that. Some special something. He's like, but we have this. <laughs> Thankfully, that wasn't the end of though, because God, I would hate to be a diehard Zelda yeah. fan and that be the celebration of the anniversary. Um, Such a bummer, man. Breath of the Wild 2, we got an unveiling. It looked like there was going to, for a second, a Legend of Zelda Battle Royale, the way he was dropping into the into the yeah. map at the beginning. It was cool, um, though. That, that, yeah, yeah. Through the clouds. Uh, yeah. Per- perfectly memeable, though. That and the yeah. Smash Brothers thing, two great meme moments. We got the reveal of Sky Islands in this. 
We all thought it was going to take place under Hyrule, underground in Hyrule. Turns out that was a fake out. It's actually going to be taking place above ground, all these sky islands that are going up. As Link, you're going to be able to traverse and go up into these islands. Um, yeah, you can talk more about the gameplay-specific stuff that got you excited, Dom, because obviously we know my history with Breath of the Wild wasn't really for me. I hope this doesn't have weapon degradation. It's going to be a bummer. Um, but, you know, that's not a... That's not a if it has that, I'm still going to try it out to see if this one captures my attention. You know, that's not the end-all be-all. The thing I wanted to touch on is at the very end, he said, we're aiming for 2022. And before you get into the gameplay stuff, how did that make you feel? I mean, I think how they wanted, you know, like, they want to give us information, but they don't want to have to delay things. And, you know, I don't know. It was it was weird. Someone, another game did that recently. Too. Oh, it was... um. Shoot, what am I thinking of? Horizon Forbidden West was like, we're, I think they said something similar in a press release. Like, oh, yeah, we're, we're shooting hoping. for holiday 2021. Yeah. Right. We're, we're shooting hoping, for I think. Yeah, not shooting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I, I, you know, I, I guess ultimately I appreciate the honesty and the transparency. Um, I, maybe this is the, the better alternative to either not giving a date at all. And then people are like, where's the date? And then also a, an alternative to giving a date and then having to delay. This might be, a, you know, kind of a middle ground i don't know if you can if it's going to work if you can really split the baby in half like that but um it was a little weird i don't know but the trailer looked really cool um the all the stuff of the sky islands i think that's that's pretty sweet that should be cool obviously felt like uh, that's a lot of how skyward sword worked but i you know i have way higher expectations for like what this is a one world with different islands it should be cool um they they showed something that looked like some kind of time manipulation like going backwards um i don't know so oh, yeah true which is cool i think that they'll probably be able to do some cool stuff with puzzles with that because part of a big part of breath of the wild uh one was using the different tools and physics and and all that to like solve puzzles so um i imagine that that should have some cool shit um but i'm really hoping for like dun like you know larger dungeons and not just um they were kind of that's like the, the biggest criticism right from fans who even enjoyed the game was it didn't feel like a true yeah. Zelda game in terms of having those dungeons and you can you don't have to take away from what breath of the wild is you can still have this huge open world but totally free yeah. and you can even still do shrines intermittent with you know single puzzles within them but just really expand upon the dungeons themselves and you don't got to do 10 of them or whatever but i think that would go a long way especially if um each of them had like progression throughout like uh where like you're gaining new tools to to complete the dungeon and you can only do it with those tools and it's not i, I know some people don't like that kind of stuff but I, that's what i preferred so i'm hoping that they, they're bringing some of that back but it also was like oh yeah this this still looks like breath of the wild just with some you know some new features and stuff like it's, it's this looks this is great but there's so much weirdness around it and I was so irritated by the previous five minutes with Aonuma, which is weird <laughs> to say, but I was yeah. each new thing. Like when it started with Hyrule Warriors DLC, I was like, I was, I was kind of like irritated. And then it's like game and watch. And then it's like Skyward Sword, but we've already seen the same footage from Skyward Sword. And I was like, what the hell is this? I was kind of like, and this is what I, when I mentioned like with Microsoft, like the, like the Xbox stuff just all was paced well. And it, so, I don't know. It just worked better. There wasn't anything that didn't need to be there except for Outer Worlds, but we 
<laughs> that was a different We didn't thing. get a Gears pop moment, right? We didn't get a... Right. Okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this this just had, like, in addition to, like, some of that other, like, more niche stuff that, that you talked about that didn't hit for me either in this presentation, but then, like, all this Zelda stuff that was just, like, the Game & Watch, like, well, it, 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 unfortunately for me, it took away a lot of the pop from what could have been Breath of the Wild. Like, honestly, if they could have added, like, uh, um, there's a bug moving on my fucking desk. Sorry. Um, that's disgusting. Uh, if they could have just made this trailer a little bit longer and cut out all that other silly Zelda stuff before it, I think it would have popped way better. Um, but overall, obviously, I'm still super pumped for Breath of the Wild, too. So at the end of the day, I got to remind myself, like, yeah, like, I'm... Um, you know, in uh, after the fact, you know, Monday morning or whatever, this is this was a cool presentation overall. Um, you know, a lot of stuff wasn't for me, but there's still some really cool stuff that I'm really excited about. So I was overall pretty happy with it. So, and the cool thing is, like, for somebody like me who had a lot of criticisms of the Breath of the Wild, I was definitely on the minority of the the feedback for that game. What they showed me is exciting enough for me to give it another try. I'm not mm-hmm. like, oh, I didn't like the first one. I'm not gonna like this one. And I'm excited to see what they do and what they change and how it goes. For me, not being a huge... I, I like Zelda enough, but I really wanted to either see a new Mario of some sort, whether that be 2D or 3D, mm-hmm. or the Donkey Kong Country game that was rumored, or Pokemon. We didn't see any of those. So for me, the content was pretty lacking in terms of stuff I got excited for. But I do think, especially compared to everything that was in Xbox, this was a stellar show Comparing it to Xbox, it definitely was a B to Xbox's A+. I think that's where I want to close up the show is that Xbox, E3 needs a, the ESA needs to pay Xbox next year for E3 because for what they did this year and carrying everything and being the one true show that was, in all honesty, like worth watching out of all the big ones. I I think Nintendo Direct was worth watching too, but like Square Enix, Guardians just could have been been an Xbox dom. Because that was the only good thing they really showed. <laughs> Ubisoft was okay. They could have put Extraction in the Summer Game Fest or Xbox. Like None of them sung except for Xbox and Nintendo uh, slightly. Everything else was like black. All the indie stuff I thought was great. Like whole, uh, The Wholesome Direct. The Day of the Devs was probably my favorite show outside of Xbox. Because there were so many games there that I loved. Um, and just the presentation of it all was so good. I'm... Happy that E3's back. I do think that there needs to be some changes because a lot of this stuff didn't work. And it was people doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff, Dom. Like the, We didn't even talk about the Capcom thing. What a disaster. That thing was awful. Awful. Um, yeah, so I'm thankful for Xbox and Nintendo. Mm-hmm. This like I miss Sony now because of how bad everything else was. Yeah. And not that Sony needed to be here, but I would have loved having a third competent presentation. And, that's coming from somebody who I've been very critical of PlayStation in the past of their weird interstitial intermissions and only showing three games and not diving into the indies, but I'll still take that of seeing Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima over a bunch of badly paced, badly placed trailers. Like it just I'm glad E3's back. I hope it's better next year. And at the very least, we can look forward to Nintendo and Xbox next year if all loss fails once again. So uh, to that point, too, we got so many announcements for 2022 games, Dom. One thing we didn't touch on the Xbox that I wanted to touch on real quick was a Jeff Grubb tweet, uh, which we talked about in our chat. So Jeff Grubb said, I posted this right after the show for Xbox. You might have missed it, but if you're asking about Everwild or Howblade or 2 or whatever, I'll try to give you some answers. And he tweeted, while Redfall in 2022 is huge, which is the arcane game we talked about, 
That means Xbox has at least Redfall, Starfield, and Motorsport 8 for 2022, and then 2023 is jam-packed. Here's why you didn't hear about Howblade, Fable, Perfect Dark, Avowed, and more. And to Jeff's reporting, he says, as of right now, and remember, things are going to change, some stuff is going to move. As of right now, all of these are expected from Xbox to launch in 2023. Avowed, Fable, Perfect Dark, Howblade 2, Contraband, which is a new IP from Avalanche, NXIles new game, which we don't know what NXIles is working on, Compulsion's next game, the We Happy Few devs have no idea what they're working on, the Coalition's next non-Gears project. That has me excited, Dom. I hope they get to work on... What if they're working on a licensed Disney game? Oh, okay. Good point, good point. Coalition making a Punisher game? All in. All in. Or Star Wars. Love it. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I just... Either I don't know way. if their style fits, but who knows? I'm not going to peg them down to a certain style, right? That's unfair for the developers. But, yeah, it's so exciting. We don't, This doesn't even include, you know, State of Decay 3, Everwilds, which obviously is restarting development. Like, I think this year did what it needed to do for Xbox Dom, and it proved, like, there's a reason to own an Xbox. We have a slate of Xbox Game Pass games, or even subscribing to Xbox Game Pass. And Jeff Grubb said, this show's going to be good, but their 2023 is going to be arguably the best Xbox E3 ever. And that has me excited, because I love this presentation. You did, too. And I do think they're going to fire on all cylinders. And it leaves us sitting here, Dom, being like, what is PlayStation going to do in terms of a presentation? Not that they need a computer or anything. I'm just curious. With Horizon possibly being delayed, do they do a presentation where they show off Horizon again, maybe Final Fantasy 16? Do they not do that? Do we just get like a death loop state of play? Weird, right? Where do you yeah. sit on that real quick before we leave? Yeah, no, I'm super curious to see um, how they, and it's not necessarily a response, um because that's obviously all pre-planned but yeah i'm curious to see what playstation does in the next two months what are they going to let us know about what are they going to show us because um where they at you know i mean horizon's going to be sweet but um and ratchet and clank just came out so it's like I, yeah it's that weird thing like yeah do they need to necessarily do what xbox just did um well i mean they quite literally can't but um i don't know that they need that but they need something. I mean, I'm sure that they, I'm sure that they have things up their sleeve, right? Um, yeah, so I just think the tough thing right now for the 120 million people who own a PS4 and didn't get a PS5, obviously not all 120 didn't get a PS5, but like, what do they have to look forward to with if Horizon gets pushed, right? Ratchet PS5 exclusive, Returnal PS5 exclusive, Deathloop PS5 exclusive. Mm -hmm. So I think they do need to show that audience what they have planned because we got a report today too, Dom, that uh xbox wants people who only own the last gen xbox to be able to play the next gen stuff by guess what x cloud they're gonna do a thing where you can play the next gen only games through x cloud and that's a have your cake you need it too because now they can focus like we talked about starfield next gen only games but they can still deliver that stuff to people who can't get their hands on a console that's frankly just like the ps5 impossible to get right now right yeah. and like i think playstation needs to show people that only own a ps4 now why they are should be excited to still be a PlayStation gamer and still have their PS4 and also have, give them some optimism to be able to get a PS5. Like, I want a PS5. I want to play Ratchet right now, Dom. I want to play Returnal right now. I can't get my hands on one. Obviously, I specifically want a digital one, but, like, even then, like, it just sucks for people. And think about that. I have an Xbox Series X. I'm thankful enough to have at least one of the two systems. There's people who are just like, I'll get whatever one I can get my hands on first, and they still haven't been able to get that. Yeah. That's a bummer. It sucks. So, 
who knows? We'll see what happens. This has been our two-hour post-E3 <laughs> podcast. A lot of good stuff. So many games to look forward to, Dom. We'll be back next week. I want to talk about our predictions from early in the year. Obviously, the year's not over, but I want to talk about those. We may touch on some of the E3 predictions we had, but obviously we're holding till the end of August because we had some PlayStation stuff in there. But uh, yeah, thank you for joining me on this, Dom. Plenty of good games to look forward to. God, Elden Ring and Elden so many others. Ring. Yeah. Let's go. Oh. Uh, follow us on all the social medias. Find us at Controlled Interest on Twitter, CTRLINT. YouTube, search that. You'll find us. We're on all the podcast services. We're on Instagram. Thank you guys for listening as always. We appreciate it, and we'll catch you guys next week. Bye.